episode two of the fantasy fanatics podcast uh, today we'll be recapping week 15 of the nfl and we'll be providing a preview for week 16 for fantasy uh, we'll also be talking about uh, some top sleepers in the nba as well as previewing the north division in the nhl and providing you with some injury updates today i'm joined uh, once again by mete and by a new member of the podcast terry welcome guys how's it going Hello. All right, let's hop right into it. Um, on Thursday, uh, we had the Chargers against the Raiders, and the Chargers won that game in overtime. That was a thriller. I know last week, um, Mete, we talked about how that it was probably going to be a close game, and we, we kind of leaned with the Chargers, and that's kind of how it went. Yeah. The yeah, Chargers um, played well yeah. that game. Yeah, sorry? Chargers played very well that game offensively. Like, defensively wasn't all there, but offensively, Herbert was able to do what he wanted all night long. Yeah, speaking of Justin Herbert, man, he had a monster game. He uh, he completed uh, 314 yards. He had uh, two touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. Uh, he helped a lot of fantasy managers get to the finals, including myself. And I, I was pretty happy about that. I know Terry's shaking his head. Yeah. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and then uh, on the ground, uh, Austin Eckler had a pretty decent game. He just didn't find the end zone. So he didn't cap off that potential that he normally has. He still uh, got 60 yards on the ground and um, 19 through the air. Um Hunter Henry had a had a pretty good game. He had five catches for 65 yards and a touchdown. And um, Keenan Allen, I believe, got hurt in this game. Uh, Mete, uh, what, if Keenan Allen's out, can you trust any other receivers on this team for fantasy? Uh, I do like Williams. Yeah, I know but... Williams kind of had a an off game, but he was dealing Mike with Williams, an injury. Yeah. So yeah, I think you might be able to lean with Mike Williams a little bit going forward if uh, Keenan Allen's out and if Williams is healthy. Yeah. Um, going over to the Raiders, um, this team also dealt with injuries. Derek Carr got taken out in the first half. Uh, he was replaced by Mariota and, and Mariota had a pretty decent game. Uh, Terry, I want to ask you if if uh, fantasy managers have an injury and they need to stream a quarterback, could they stream Mariota going forward? Um, honestly, it depends on the scheduling as always. Uh, when you look at... So you, you think he's a schedule-dependent quarterback? If anything, yeah. Because the Oakland Raiders, I personally believe, um, they're just like one of those streaky teams in the AFC at the moment. And if it's probably a team against the Jets or maybe even the Bengals, go with Mariota, but if you're running against, like, the same mediocre teams or even the better teams in the AFC, uh, just look elsewhere. All right, sounds good. Um, Josh Jacobs had a had a much better game this week. Uh, he went for 76 yards on the ground with a touchdown and 38 yards through the air, and I think he, uh, Mete, he's probably one of the best uh, running backs right now. At least, he, at least he should be a tw- top 12 option in the league. Yeah, he definitely is. I would like start him most weeks, unless like he, he's been like bad before that. But this season he's been okay, and he had one of his better games last week. So, 
Yeah. Um, and I guess, guys, through the air, the only one we can trust from the Raiders is uh, Darren Waller, I assume. Uh, without hesitation, of course. Yeah, because I know we were talking about Aguilar. I mean, he did have a decent game, but I don't think it's enough for us to be able mm-hmm. to throw him into our lineup every week. That's the thing with the Oakland Raiders uh, wide out court. They don't have, like, one consistent guy to, like, depend on. You have Ruggs, you have Renfro, and then, as you said, Aguilar. They're all just like spread the wealth type of receivers. Yeah. Yeah, this is a big opportunity for those receivers because Henry Ruggs didn't play in this game actually, and none of them really did that well. Yeah, so I, I think it's just Waller and more Waller going forward. He had a monster game with a, over 150 yards and a touchdown. So I think he he's a, definitely a, a top three tight end play every week, and you can just put throw him into your lineup and just forget about it. Because he produces against pretty much every team. Okay, let's move on to the next game. Uh, we, we had the Buffalo Bills on Saturday uh, beating the Denver Broncos 48-19. Like, it, it was just a big game for almost every single Buffalo Bills player. Um, Terry, let me get to you on this game. Uh, uh, maybe maybe break down uh, some of the stats for the Buffalo Bills. Well, just to give like a quick summary of the game, it was basically um, a little practice game for the Buffalo Bills when you think about it. As you said, 48-19. Um, Josh Allen does his thing against improvised secondary across the NFL. I believe he had, had around like 360 yards through the air. And then he scampered in for what, two touchdowns rushing as well. And then you have the usual wideout. Um, wideouts that are he usually throws to Cole Beasley, Stephon Diggs, as well as um, the tight end over in Buffalo as well. Mm-hmm. As well as um, Zach Moss and I believe uh, Devin Singletary having uh, wonderful games as well, fantasy-wise. I believe Singletary had probably a touchdown on 68 yards rushing. So basically across the board, a wonderful day for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, fantasy yeah. wise, it, it, they they had a stellar game today, and I I think that just puts Josh Allen in the elite fantasy category going forward. If you have if you're riding Josh Allen going into the finals of your league, I think you're in pretty good shape. Um, I I don't know if we can trust any of the running backs on the ground every week. I know this was a pretty good matchup, but I think that yeah, in good matchups, um. I guess either Zach Moss or Devin Singletary can either be rolled into maybe maybe your flex spot or whatever. If you if you're missing a player, if you have an injury, maybe to someone like Clyde Edwards Hilaire or someone else that got injured this past week. Um, uh, I mean, again against the Patriots, the Patriots they they've given up a lot of rushing yards. So, um, but I don't know how much they they would give on a consistent basis. So you might be able to roll them in this week, but you'll definitely have to check your other options and. Um, Terry, uh, let me ask you, if uh, John Brown is out again this week, can we trust Cole Beasley? I believe most of the time when uh, Buffalo does come out with Cole Beasley, he is in the slot. And most of the time when I do watch the Buffalo games, Allen does usually uh, target Cole Beasley a lot coming from the slot. So if anything, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, go with him, but be cautious when having your expectations. 
Okay, so I guess Stefan Diggs is like a lock, and then Beasley might be like a, a flex option or something. I wouldn't say flex option, more of a probably white out too. Okay, Just don't so he's to moving do up out. then. Okay. Yeah. All right, and I guess for for the Broncos, there there wasn't there wasn't much of anything this week. I, although Drew Locke uh, did look better early, but I I guess things just didn't go for them. I, I'd say the only the well, I mean, there's a couple nice spots there. Melvin Gordon, uh, two rushing touchdowns, 61 yards. He had a pretty decent day on the ground, and then through the air, um, I don't know. Most of the receivers got locked up. We expected Tim Patrick to get locked up by Trey White. But all the other receivers, except Noah Fant, uh, who caught 68 yards and a touchdown, they got locked up by Buffalo's defense. So, um, I don't know, Terry, let me ask you, what can we expect from uh, the uh, Broncos' offense going forward? One thing you can rely on for the Buffalo – I mean, not Buffalo, uh, Denver offense is probably uh, Melvin Gordon and uh, Philip Lindsay, depending on how many reps they usually get through the offense. Um. As for the receiver core, if they're going up against like an improvised secondary, you probably could run with uh, Judy and maybe Patrick, but that's a long shot. And I assume Noah Fant is probably their best pass catcher. Without a doubt. Yeah, uh, he's one of the more consistent tight ends this year. Uh, this year has been kind of rough for tight ends uh, from what we've seen and uh, fans, when he's been healthy, he's been a producer on the field. Uh, let's jump to the next Saturday game. Uh, the Packers beat the Panthers uh, 24-16 in a game that was kind of closer than we expected. Um, um, Mete, let me just go to you. Um, Teddy Bridgewater through the air, 258 passing yards. He had a decent day. It could have been better. Um, Mike Davis had 59 yards on the ground. Uh, through the air, um, DJ Moore uh, in his return, 131 yards through the air. Uh, can we trust DJ Moore going forward? Because um, I don't know, Robbie Anderson kind of had a rough day, and normally he's he's up there with him. So, what can we expect from the receivers from the Panthers? Yeah, for the Panthers, like they've got three-headed receiver monster with DJ Moore, uh, Samuel, and Robbie Anderson. So, I think those are their top three receivers for sure, and I think DJ Moore will be a reliable wide receiver to start in the finals next week. And um, when, when it comes to the running game, um, if Christian McCaffrey is ruled out, because we know he's an automatic start when he plays, uh, can, mm -hmm. we, can we trust Mike Davis in any matchup or is he matchup dependent? So they're going to be playing the football team this week and they've got a nice defensive line actually, so... That might be a scary matchup to run Mike Davis in. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. That that kid, Chase Young, is looking like a stud. He, he looks like he could win Defensive Rookie of the Year this year, possibly. And, yeah, he's just – him and the whole line, they're just playing um, really solid. Uh, let me go to the Packers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers kind of had a, a low-par game this week. Uh, I, I know uh, I'll get to Terry about that, but <laughs> – uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, only 143 yards through the air, one passing touchdown. Um, Devontae Adams had his one of his down games, the only 42 receiving yards and no touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Jones had the biggest day with 145 yards on the ground and 13 through the air and one touchdown on the ground. Um, Terry, is Jones a locked-in 
RB1 for your team going forward? For sure. And he's not matchup dependent. You just roll him and just forget about him. I mean, unless there's a running back coming up the depth chart in Green Bay. No. All right. And I assume that this was just a bad spot for Aaron Rodgers, but he's a top five quarterback going forward. This year, correct. Yeah. And um, uh, I know uh, Robert Tanyan didn't have the biggest game. He did find the end zone, which improved his day. Um, besides Tanyan and Adams, are there any other receivers you'd roll with going forward? Uh, so be a guaranteed lock into your lineup? Probably not. I mean, you could probably make a case for Marquez Valdez Scanling. But, but some yeah, weeks he's very inconsistent, yeah. Um, let's go to the next game, actually. Um, 49ers uh, face the Cowboys this week, and uh, the Cowboys actually ended the playoff hopes for the 49ers. Uh, Mete, you're a Cowboys fan. I want to get your reaction on that game and tell me what happened here on offense for the Cowboys. Uh, this was a surprising game. So, first of all, Zeke was out. So, we ran Pollard a lot this game, and I really liked what I saw from him. He's got great explosiveness. He hits the hole hard and fast, and we were at all uh, we were also throwing him the ball as well. So he ran 12 rushes, 69 yards, and he caught six passes for 63 yards. So I'm thinking he could be a workhorse type running back if he's given the opportunity. Um, Dalton had a decent game. Two touchdowns, 209 yards, no interceptions. C.D. Lamb caught five balls for 85 yards. Other than that, it was just Gallup caught a touchdown. Schultz caught a touchdown. The other players weren't really fantasy relevant other than Dalton, Pollard, Lamb, and I'd say Gallup. Uh, let me ask you, Amari Cooper had a down game. Uh, this game, uh, it, was it just a bad game? Like, can can you keep trusting him going forward, or is this more of a CD Lamb uh, being the wide the top wide receiver on Dallas now? I don't know what it was. I saw him taking a lot of plays off this game. He was on the sideline. Maybe McCarthy wants to see what he has in his other receivers. I don't know what it was, but he wasn't on the field as much as he usually is. So you think he might be a risky start going forward? Um, against Philadelphia this week? Yeah, I think so. Darius Slayton's probably going to be shadowing him all game. Yeah. Um, I also want to say that if Ezekiel Elliott is out, I guess you can roll with Tony Pollard as, as a top-end running back that's going to produce. Yeah, I really like what I saw from Pollard. Yeah, um, moving on to the 49ers, um, Mullins threw for 219, two touchdowns and two picks. You had Mostert and Wilson with both over 60 yards on the ground. They did. They have been giving Jeff Wilson the red zone carry, so I think that that caps the upside of Mostert going forward. Um, and then through the air, uh, Kendrick Bourne, 86 yards and a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, 73 yards and a touchdown. Um, I believe there was an injury to Debo Samuel. Yeah, that's, they had a lot of injuries, Bourne, actually. I guess. Yeah, I think Bourne got a lot of looks because of that. But I I, th I don't know what you think. But if Samuel's out, uh, Ayuk is 
a locked-in receiver in every lineup. Yeah, Ayuk's been going off the last couple of weeks. He's a pickup for sure if he's there on your waiver still. Yeah, I think both him and Tony Pollard should be a top-end waiver pickups going into yeah. the fantasy championships this week. Um, uh, let's go over to the next game. Uh, Terry, I want to talk to you about the, the Ravens against the Jaguars, and this was just a blowout game. Uh, can, can we go over the, the Ravens' offense in this game? Well, for Lamar Jackson, at least there was no stomach pains this week. Um, Lamar Jackson was doing Lamar Jackson things. I mean, he was getting three touchdowns. Unfortunately, he had the interception, had at least 240 yards through the air, as well as like maybe a handful of yards, 35 yards on the ground plus a touchdown. And then you had the running backs, Gus Edwards, as well as J.K. Dobbins. Um, at the start of the season, if you were probably stressing about the Baltimore running back situation, don't because these guys probably get equal amount of uh, reps over in Baltimore. And they show to capitalize on their reps, if anything. Um, Gus Edwards probably had 42 yards and 36 yards through the air. And J.K. Dobbins had the touchdown with 64 yards as well. Then you see Hollywood Brown. He does his numbers, 98 yards on probably give or take six reps. And then I believe the tight end, Mark Andrews, correct? Yeah. Uh, went five for five on his reps, and he got 66 yards as a TD. And I know Menti's probably happy about this one, but Des Bryant ended up catching a touchdown on 11 yards. Right? Yeah, first touchdown in three years. Yeah, um, that offense was just clicking on all cylinders. And I think any hiccups that we saw from Lamar Jackson early on, I, I believe those are gone. And I, I think that we can trust him as a top five quarterback play. And I don't believe he's matchup dependent. I believe you can just roll him in week in and week out. Um, and I, I think Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, I'd say they're also back uh, with the way that this Baltimore offense is now um, running with efficiency. Um not relying on that three-headed running back system, but instead going with two backs uh, with Dobbins and Edwards. And then, um, as they say, a good run game helps the pass game. So the passing game is, is flowing a lot better for them. Uh, going to the Jaguars, um, I don't know. There, there wasn't much here. Uh, I know that um, uh, they might be looking to rest uh, James Robinson. He's been just worked into the ground this year. Um I know DJ Chark caught four passes for 53 yards and uh, Minshew did throw two touchdowns. Um, Terry, what's your opinion on this offense? Can you trust anyone in this offense going forward? Honestly, besides James Robinson, probably not. I mean, Minshew's probably a dependent, depending on uh, the matchup, as well as you don't know who's going to get most of the receptions when it comes to the receiver court down there. It's probably a spread the wealth type of receiver court over in Jacksonville at the moment. Yeah, and it's not like they really have much to play for. Yeah, it's looking like they're going to be the recipients of the first overall pick, most likely uh, going with Trevor Lawrence. And yeah, uh, since the uh, we we had a surprise uh, there from a team in the AFC East this week, uh, it looks like Jacksonville's in prime position to get that uh, draft pick. And and speaking of the AFC East, there was an AFC East matchup this weekend. It was the Dolphins against the Patriots and. 
my Patriots have been eliminated from the playoffs for the first time in, in 11 straight years. I don't know how I feel about that, but um, yeah, let, let's recap this game. Uh, yeah, we'll start with the Patriots. Cam Newton had uh, 209 yards through the air. He had no passing touchdowns. Um, Sony Michelle, 74 yards on the ground, as well as Cam Newton having 38 on the ground. Um, no touchdowns in this game for the Patriots, period. It was all, it was all pure field goals. Uh, Myers had a big game with seven catches and 111 yards through the air. And uh, James White sprinkled it in with uh, 52 receiving yards. And um, Mete, let me just ask you, if, if Damian Harris is out, uh, can we trust Sony Michelle? And if not, is there anyone on this team that we can trust? Uh, the thing I'm worried about with Michelle is I'm only seeing 10 rush attempts. So 74 yards on 10 rush attempts are actually really good. The thing is, is he going to be getting those attempts? Reps, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if he does, then definitely. He's a pickup for sure. It yeah, if, if Damian Harris comes back, I think we can just roll with him the way we were in mm -hmm. previous weeks. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move over to the Dolphins and um, Tua Tagovailoa really showed a lot of poise in this game. It might not have shown on the stat sheet, but um, yeah, he he really he he really uh, carried this team on his back. Uh, he he had 145 yards through the air, which doesn't seem like a lot. He didn't have a passing touchdown. He threw an interception, but he did have two rushing touchdowns on the ground. Um, Salvan Ahmed, he had 122 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, Terry, let me ask you, if Miles Gaskin isn't ready to go next week, uh, can um, teams trust Ahmed uh, to, to roll in for their fantasy championship week next week? It's actually a good question. Um, surprisingly, I was expecting another running back from Miami to be getting most of the reps. I believe his name was... Uh... Darnell Washington, probably not. Darnell Washington. Yeah, I think I think yeah. he's been active this week. Actually, that's what surprised me the most. Um, I remember there was one report saying Washington might get most of the or some of the carries, and then when you look at the weekend, it was it was Document Show. To be honest with you, um, I think probably a couple weeks back it was like the Brita. It was supposed to be the Brita Show, but then it went to Document again. So hey, you might have to put Document in. Who knows? Yeah, um, and I think for receivers, if Parker and Gusecki aren't back, I assume that we can't trust anyone in this passing offense. No. Yeah, um, I feel the same way. Um, let's go over to the next game. Uh, Mete, I want to talk to you about the, the Colts and the Texans. Uh, the Colts got a well, – I mean, they, they got off to a pretty good lead, but then they let the Texans come back in this game, uh, ultimately winning it 27-20. to 20. Um, uh, let's talk about the Texans. Deshaun Watson, 373 yards through the air, two touchdowns, along with 25 yards on the ground. I assume Watson's just a locked-in uh, top five or six quarterback every week. Doesn't even depend on the matchup because he had a tough matchup this week. Yeah, he's definitely top five for me. I think he's second right now in passing yards in the league, so he's having a great year. It just sucks that this team's not really helping him out that much. Yeah, I know. Uh, from the looks of it, David Johnson, uh, although he had a slow day on the ground with 27 yards, he did come through uh, with 11 catches for 106 receiving yards. A big day 
for Johnson. Um, I don't know. Can we trust David Johnson going forward uh, as a lock in the lineup, or is he very matchup dependent? Mm, I do like the fact that David Johnson is a good pass catcher. So I guess even if he's in a bad matchup, he can still catch some checkdowns and he'll still get you probably like 10 points at worst. So I think he'll I think he's a safe play, I would say. All right. And then in terms of receivers, um, I know Brandon Cooks had 59 yards on six catches and both uh, Kiki Kuti and Chad Hansen found the end zone. Um, are there any receivers here that we can trust going forward? Would you trust any of these three, one of these three, or none of these three? Um, Kuti has been okay. The thing I've noticed about him, I think he's fumbled in two straight games. And um, Hansen, I think he's touchdown dependent. He, I only see two catches for 55 yards and a touchdown. I think the safest play would be Cubs. He's just a re- reliable veteran that Watson could go to, I think. Yeah, I think that Cooks has been getting between uh, seven to nine targets per game when he has been healthy. So I yeah. think he's definitely someone uh, you can roll with. Uh, let's go over to the Colts. Uh, Philip Rivers has been, I don't know, he was shaky earlier in the year, but he's been pretty solid. Um, he had 228 passing yards, two touchdowns through the air um jonathan taylor also has been impressive lately 83 yards on the ground with a score um Niam hines also 43 yards on the ground um zach pascal caught the two touchdowns with ty hilton just having 71 uh receiving yards and michael pittman with just 19 receiving yards Mete, i want to ask you um i know we can trust jonathan taylor on the ground but is Niam hines also an option for this team fantasy uh i don't think so i think taylor should be the back that you own from indiana um uh, in terms of uh receivers i know um teams have been rolling with ty hilton on a weekly basis now since he he had that mid-season breakout this year um are they still rolling with ty hilton is pascal an option is maybe michael Pittman going to be an option going forward yeah, I would still roll with T.Y. Hoyan as the top wideout in Indiana. And then I guess after this game, we could say Pasco is the second option for Indiana. Yeah, so I, I assume we're just fading Michael Pittman since the, the week of his breakout game. He just hasn't been getting the targets. I think only yeah. three targets in this game been kind of low. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Going to our next game, uh, the Bears come up with a clutch win over the Vikings. I, I believe the Vikings are eliminated now. They might have a mathematical chance of still getting into the playoffs, yeah, but I think it's really hard. That, that pretty much is the end of their season. Um, Mitch Trubisky, 202 yards through the air with a passing touchdown and an interception. Um, Terry, let me ask you, um, is Trubisky a, a waiver wire pickup? going forward, depending on the matchup? As you said, uh, depending on the matchup. Um, they're trying to build his confidence back up over in Chicago right now through the play action rollouts and as well as the run pass options. But depends who you got next week if you want to rely on him in your championship matchup. I believe they have Jacksonville next week, so I think you can roll with them. Oh, roll with him, but if you lose... Uh, it's, yeah, it's on you, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I, you were saying something about play action, and yeah, they have been incorporating the run game a lot more. David Montgomery had 32 carries on the ground, 146 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, he had a monster day today. Uh, Cordell Patterson surprisingly only had one carry for three yards in this game. Um, and then through the air, Allen Robinson, 83 receiving yards. He, he's a locked in option every week. Uh, Darnell Mooney factored in 49 receiving yards and a touchdown and Jimmy Graham with 25 receiving yards. Uh, besides Allen Robinson, is there anyone you'll trust in this receiving core? Um, with hesitation, probably everyone you cannot rely on unless you specifically look at like the defense and pick apart like who's going against who like on the line of scrimmage. Um, as you said, Allen Robinson and probably Montgomery are going to locks in the Chicago offense at this rate. Yeah, I, I think the same thing as well. Um, I don't know, maybe next week against Jacksonville. I don't know, could you roll Darnell Mooney in? Um, maybe Jimmy Graham? I want to go with Mooney. But as for Graham, uh, touchdown or bust. Yeah, I think he's touchdown dependent as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, let's go over to the Vikings and uh, yeah, the, this team, they, uh, Dalvin Cook being his usual good self, uh, 132 on the ground with a touchdown. And um, I don't know, uh, Kirk Cousins, uh, he, he's been good, but th this defense hasn't been consistent at all this year. Just been giving up way too many points. Cousins had 271 through the air and two touchdowns with a pick and um, Justin Jefferson, uh, he had 104 receiving yards. Um, Adam Thielen, surprisingly, over only 11 receiving yards. Did he get hurt in this game, or did he, was he just a non-factor? Probably wasn't a non-factor at this rate. But with the Vikings and their conservative offense, you don't even know. Yeah, that's a thing, too, is that uh, I know Justin Jefferson and Thielen have been fantasy-relevant, but... Uh, uh, besides the touchdown, Thielen would have finished with, with a pretty bad day overall in fantasy. Uh, he saved a lot of people's uh, days with that touchdown. Um, I guess going forward, Dalvin Cook's a lock. And are Jefferson and Thielen still locks? Or what would you say about that? Just because Jefferson is the younger guy, I want to say he's a lock. With Thielen, I'm not 1,000% sure because he did have games like this last year and like the year before if you are looking past in like Ravens history. But I would say he's a lock as well. So just be cautious of your expectations. So you put him a little bit below Jefferson in terms of efficiency. At this rate, yeah, like I don't know when it comes to dealing. Like sometimes you see when Diggs was on the team, Diggs would outperform him and dealing would have like the conservative game. I mean, I don't know if it's just him or it's probably like the play calling that Cousins has to deal with from the OC, but I always put like, I don't know, personally myself, I always put Dylan's partner ahead of him. All right. Um, let's go over to the next game. And this game was interesting. The Falcons find a way to blow another halftime lead. They were up 17-0 at the half. They're up 24-7 in the third quarter, and they just find a way to blow this game. To Tom Brady, once again, um, Matt Ryan, 356 yards to the air and three touchdowns. He had a good day. 
Um, and then on the ground, as usual, not much of anything. Todd Gurley didn't even have positive receiving yards in this game or positive rushing yards in this game. Um, through the air, Calvin Ridley, 10 catches, 163 yards and a touchdown. Um, Mate Ridley's just a lock in and roll top five or six option at the receiver. Definitely, especially if Julio is still out. He's a top five option for me for sure. Um, Russell Gage had a good game. He had 68 yards through the air and a touchdown. If Julio's out, uh, is Gage matchup dependent or can you roll him out? I actually like Gage as well because I've noticed the Falcons like running trick plays with him too. Like when I was watching earlier in the year when they played the Cowboys, he threw a pass to Julio on the end zone that he dropped. Should have been caught. And then I think last week he threw a touchdown pass. They throw like they run him in like wildcats sometimes. So I think Gage is a interesting play as well, depending and on his matchup. Yeah, um, Hayden Hurst finished with a touchdown, but he hasn't been getting the looks. I I don't think we can trust him going forward. Yeah. Like most tight ends, they're pretty much yeah, like tight, tight ends have been a mess this year. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just been crazy. Um, uh, Terry, let me go to you about the Bucks. They had a second half turnaround. Um, uh, Tom Brady threw for 390 passing yards, two touchdowns. Um, Fournette factored on the ground with Ronald Jones being out of this game. He had 49 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Big day for him. Um, do you think that Fournette, you can roll him into your lineup if Jones is out? Um, probably with a little hesitation, of course, roll him in. I mean, you see what he did in Jacksonville, and you expect that coming from a guy like Leonard Fournette, especially coming out of college. And he's still young. It's not like he's nearing 30 as of yet. So run with him. Uh, for sure. Um and then through the air, Mike Evans, six catches, 110 receiving yards. Antonio Brown caught his first touchdown of the season. He had 93 yards through the air and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, 36 yards and a touchdown. Um, Rob Gronkowski, only 29 receiving yards. And um, Terry, let me ask you, out of the, the big three receivers there, Godwin, Evans, and Antonio Brown, which ones are you really willing to roll with on a weekly basis and which ones are matchup dependent? Jesus. I mean, you look at the names and then I don't even know what to say. It's like hitting the can store when you think about it. Um, But probably off the top of my head, I would probably go Evans, A.B., and then Godwin. But then between A.B. and Godwin, it's not that – Um, how should I say? It's more like a 2A, 2B type thing depending on, like, who Brady's more interested in passing to that night. Yeah, it might be the cornerback matchups. It might be um, – it might just be the, the defensive matchup overall that determines that. But, um, uh, yeah, uh, Tampa Bay, big comeback in this game. Um, uh, let me go over to the next game. Uh, the Titans absolutely destroyed the Lions in this game, 46 points on the board. And, um, yeah – uh, Derrick Henry, of course, uh, having his his big game uh, uh, once again, 147 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, Tannehill, 273 through the air and three touchdowns. Uh, Corey Davis catching one of those touchdowns. He had 110 yards through the air. Big day for him. 
uh, AJ Brown, his fantasy day was saved by his touchdown. He had 44 yards through the air and uh, John o. Smith also had 52 yards through the air. Um, Mete, let me ask you, um, can we trust John o. Smith as a tight end we can roll with or not yet? I don't think so. He's been way too inconsistent. And this is one of his better games, which would give you like 10.2 points and points per reception leagues, I guess. So it's not even that good. Um, let me ask you, um, AJ Brown and Corey Davis, are they locks now, both of them? Yeah, those are the top two wideouts in Tennessee for sure. Um, and then Derrick Henry, just lock and load, probably the top running back in the league every week yep. for fantasy. Yep. And what about Ryan Tannehill? Is he um, a plug-and-play, or would he be maybe a waiver wire pickup? Where, where do you see him? Is he matchup dependent, or can you roll with him every week? So before this year, I would say Tannehill was a matchup-dependent quarterback, but this year he's actually been having a really good year quietly. Like, everyone, whenever we talk about Tennessee, they'll be talking about Henry. So he's not the main focus, but I think he's been a really good quarterback this year. I think he'd be – I think he's in the top 10 for fantasy this year for quarterback. So I think he's a play for sure. Yeah, he has been solid. Um. Uh, Matthew Stafford did play in this game for the Lions. I believe he got hurt there in this game. I know Chase Daniel came into this game. Uh, Stafford had uh, 252 yards through the air and a touchdown. And um, can, do you think we can trust Matthew Stafford if he's healthy? Or is he yes. much dependent? I like Stafford too. He's been consistently doing it for years now. He's a solid quarterback as well. Yeah, um, on the ground, DeAndre Swift, 67 yards and two touchdowns. Adrian Peterson, only six carries for 23 yards. Is it safe to say that it's Swift's backfield now, or will Peterson eat into that workload? This is Swift's backfield for sure now. The uh, thing with Swift is like he gets hurt here and there, so then you'll see P- Peterson have a couple starts. But whenever Swift is healthy, he's getting majority of the touches in this backfield. Yeah, um, through the air, uh, there was no Kenny Galladay this week. Marvin Jones had a big day, 10 catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown. Um, is Jones only a start when Galladay's injured, or is he a guy that you might be able to roll with every week? I think he's a guy that you don't roll with every week, but depending on his matchup, you could play him. Because he's, I'd say, the... He's a top two wideout in Detroit for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, Hawkinson, he has been a top t- tight end this year in the league, but he only had uh, two catches for fifteen or for eighteen yards. Sorry, in this game, and he just didn't look like himself. Um, I know that uh, he had uh, a fumble in this game as well. Um, I don't know. Can, can we trust Hawkinson going forward? Was this just a bad game, or is this a sign of things to come? All right, so I think this was an unlucky game for Hawkinson. He's been, like you said, one of the consistent tight ends this year, so I think this was just unlucky for him. So you, you would trust him going forward in fantasy? He's, he's pretty much a locked-in tight end, uh, not depending on the matchup. Yeah, I guess, because like the tight ends have been so rough this year. Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's, been, it's been a mess. Uh Guys, the Jets have finally won a game this year. 
That's big. They did it this week. They they beat yep. the Rams 23-20. And man, that I, I was so surprised when I saw this. I think they were at what were they up by? They were up by a, a big score, and I think the Rams brought it back. Yeah. Uh, they, they went up, up like I believe I believe they were up 13-0 or or like no, they were up 20 to 3 at one point. Like yeah. this game was just ugly overall for the Rams. Uh uh, I don't know. The the Rams really didn't didn't do much in this game. Uh, Jared Goff he did have two hundred and nine through the air, a touchdown and an interception. Uh, Cam Akers not much from the ground. Well, he did have sixty three rushing yards. Um, Robert Woods had one rush that went for forty yards. And then in terms of receiving, uh, Tyler Higby was their biggest uh, guy today. Four catches, sixty seven yards, and a touchdown. Woods also caught 56 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup only 39 receiving yards. And um, Terry, uh, I want to ask you, uh, th- this was probably the, the worst game the Rams have played probably in the last two, three years, uh, losing to a team like the Jets. Uh, uh, what can we expect from this offense going forward? I mean, expect what you usually expect. This is probably an off game at this rate. Uh Every team is expected to have a bad game. Uh, no team is perfect. Unfortunately, when you lose to a team that is tanking for Trevor Lawrence, it's you're going to be the laughing stock for at least a week or two, or until the playoffs starts. Um, Goff would be probably if you're in a deeper league. Um, if it's 14 mans, and when it comes to the wideout core. Uh, Run Woods, run Cup. And the running back situation, uh, I want to say it's it was based on the game script just due to the fact that they were losing at halftime, if I'm not wrong. But run Cam Makers probably next year, but this next coming week, you might see a few more reps coming to Brown. And then through the year, I think we can just trust Woods and Cup. This was just an off game for Cup. Yes. All right. And then Higby and Everett are just touchdown dependent tight ends at this point. Isn't everyone at this rate? Yeah. Besides Kelsey and Waller, maybe Andrews, but I think the rest (laughs) are, yeah, (laughs) touchdown dependent. And um, even though the Jets did have a good game, Darnold had uh, 200 yards uh, through the air. Um, and uh, Gore had 59 on the ground and a touchdown with Crowder factoring in with 66 receiving yards. I think that this was probably a one-off game for the Jets, and I, I, don't, I don't know. I wouldn't trust anyone going forward. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they're, they're just not a team that I would trust. Um, they, I, I believe that they get Cleveland next week, and I would not trust that matchup. I guess only Crowder would be the guy I trust. That's it. I think he he needs to find the end zone to have a decent day. Uh, He hasn't been consistent this year at all. Yeah. Um, Let's let's move on to the next game. The Seahawks uh, played the football team this week. Uh, Mete, let me get to you on this uh, about Washington's offense. Uh, uh, I believe it was uh, Dwayne Haskins in at quarterback today with Alex Smith being out. Uh, do you think this team has a chance of making the playoffs with Dwayne Haskins as their quarterback? I really think they'll lose out their schedule if Alex Smith isn't able to return because they've got the Panthers who are 
even though they're four and ten, they're not as bad as the record suggests. And after that, they're going to be playing the Eagles, which I think can beat them as well with Jalen Hurts starting. Yeah. Um. JD McKissick had fifty-one scrimmage yards uh, today, and um, and he did he did have fifty-six yards through the air as well, and a touchdown. Um, with Gibson being out, he's probably someone that you can rely on at the right. Yeah. Back. For sure, because he's their pass catching back, so he's going to get you 10 points at least, I think, if Gibson is out. Yeah, and uh, in the receiving game, Logan Thomas, uh, 13 catches for 101 yards. Uh, Terry McLaurin, 7 catches for 77 yards. And are those the only two guys you'd roll with on a weekly basis? Yeah, Logan Thomas has been really picking it up the last couple of weeks. He's had couple of nice back-to-back games. McLaurin, he's been the last two weeks. He hasn't had good games, but this is finally a decent game for him. So those are definitely the two guys that you should rely on. Yeah, and with the tight ends being as shallow as it's been this year, I think that Logan Thomas is a top 12 tight end at this point. And he should be someone that you're looking to roll in week by week. And if he's available on the waiver, he's definitely someone that needs to be picked up for teams that are in the the fantasy championship this weekend. Um, On the side of the Seahawks, uh, Russell Wilson didn't need to do too much. Uh, He only had 121 through the year. He had a passing touchdown and an interception. Chris Carson, 63 yards on the ground. Carlos Hyde, two carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. That was a monster carry. I did see that that run. That that was amazing. Uh, Wilson also had 52 yards on the ground. Uh, Metcalf and Lockett both held under 50 yards in this game. What Was it uh, matchup dependent? Uh, the game script, uh, did that factor into them not playing as well? Do you think, Mete? Uh, yeah, it looks like their plan was to run more because they only threw Wilson 27 times. But still, this Washington defense is really good. They, they didn't really let one player go off on them. They only lost by a bit too, so they had a good performance. So you think that Metcalf and Lockett should get back to their normal um, places in in next week's game? This was just kind of a one-off. Yeah, I think this was Washington defense playing really good, not um, playing bad particularly. Um, and I think that Metcalf, you can roll him in pretty much any matchup. And Lockett, I guess he's, I don't, he's become more matchup dependent lately, but I still think that matchup dependent, he can be a wide receiver too, um, as long as he's getting the looks. Um, in the the next game, uh, it was a close game between the Chiefs and the Saints. Ultimately, the Saints do lose this one, 32 to 29. Um uh, the Saints, I don't know, they they just didn't look the same with Drew Brees this week. He he didn't have a bad game, 234 through the air, three touchdowns and a pick. Um, Alvin Kamara, 54 yards on the ground and 40 through the air with that receiving touchdown. Emmanuel Sanders, four catches, 76 yards. And Jared Cook, two catches, 29 yards. Um, Terry, let me ask you, what can we expect from the Saints offense uh, with Michael Thomas being out? Um, through receiver core, honestly, uh, anything can happen. One night it could be Sanders, one night it could be Trey Con Smith if he's not injured, or it could be anyone else that Drew decides to pass to. Um, besides the wide receiver core, 
Um, the Saints are ahead in games. Expect Murray to get a lot of touches on the ground to give Kamara a rest. And expect Kamara to be that uh, dual running back to either get a couple reps on the ground or catch a couple of passes in the backfield. Yeah, so I assume that Kamara, you can just roll with him going forward. Uh, can you roll with Sanders if both Traquan Smith and Michael Thomas are out? I mean, you want to, but like, wasn't there like one game earlier in the season where when that did happen, like he probably had like three reps for like 50 yards, give or take? It's still good, but. It, I, mean, I think it depends on game script, I guess, is what you're saying. Good point. He's not, yeah. he's not necessarily going to get the looks every game. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes being his usual self, 254 through the air, three passing touchdowns. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 79 yards on the ground. He did leave this game uh, with Le'Veon Bell coming in after 62 yards on the ground uh, with that rushing touchdown, adding 14 through the air. Travis Kelsey receiving touchdown, 68 yards through the air. Sammy Watkins, four catches for 60 yards. Tyreek Hill, six catches, 53 yards, and a receiving touchdown. Uh, just give me who you can trust in this offense. There's a lot of names here. Um, if anything, go with Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, Kelsey, uh, CEH, and depending on the game script, if they go up ahead early, go with Bell as well. It depends. If, if CEH is out, can you just roll with Bell as a as a top end running back standalone? Uh, top twelve running back. I want to say yes, just because he's going to get the reps. But I mean. Maybe running back too, so maybe in the top twenty-four. Okay. And maybe borderline top three if or running back three if uh, it's a bad day. And then what about Sammy Watkins? Can he be rolled into maybe a flex spot or something, depending on the matchup? Depending on the matchup, correct. All right. Um. Let, let's go uh, to the next game and um. Mete, the, the Cardinals, uh, they beat the Eagles in this game and they s- sort of solidified their spot uh, where they're sitting at the seventh seed in the playoffs in the NFC, uh, also hurting the Eagles' chance at winning their division. Um, let's break this game down for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts had another monster day, 338 through the air, three passing touchdowns, 63 on the ground and one rushing touchdown. Um, I assume that if he's available in your league, he's an automatic quarterback pickup at this point. Definitely. If he's available, you need a quarterback, go pick up Jalen Hurts. Yeah, um, Miles Sanders had 17 carries for 64 yards. Their run game has definitely been better. Um, And then through the air, as usual, not as much. It it was very spread out, actually, I'd I'd say. Uh, Zach Ertz, uh, two catches, 69 yards. Alshon Jeffrey, two catches, 63 yards. Rager, five catches for 49 yards. And then Dallas Goddard, four catches for 39 yards. Is there anyone that we can trust um, outside of Hertz and besides Sanders? Because you, you'll probably need to roll with Sanders. The way he has been playing lately has been pretty good. Any pass catchers that you can rely on? I do like Jalen. Uh, sorry, not Jalen Reagan. It was Trevor Fulgham. Travis Fulgham, sorry. Yeah. I think... He's the best wide receiver, I'd say, that the Eagles have right now. So I guess if you really need a wide receiver, 
good looking to Travis Fulman. Um, I know that he <clears throat> has been his target share has been dropping from game to game. Do you expect it to pick up? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna hope that now that Hertz has been playing instead of Wentz, that maybe they'll have this chemistry and he'll start targeting Fulman more. And then in terms of tight ends, uh, who would you prefer, Ertz or Goddard? I would go for Ertz, actually, even though Goddard's been better this year. Ertz has been out for a while, and I think the potential that Ertz has is greater than Goddard's potential, so I would play Ertz. Yeah, I think Ertz has looked better with Jalen Hurts. Um, I know Goddard had a had a bigger breakout earlier this year with Carson Wentz. But yeah, um, I guess going forward, uh, you're looking at uh, Zach Hurts. I, I guess the, the targets have been there. He only had uh, two catches in this game. Uh, hopefully the, those catches will pick up. Uh, going over to the Cardinals, man, if you thought Jalen Hurts had a big day, Kyler Murray had an even bigger day. Uh, yep. 46, uh, 406 yards, sorry, through the air. Three touchdowns, one interception. He also added 29 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Um, Chase Edmonds uh, actually took over uh, the primary uh, workload in this backfield, uh, 11 carries, 47 yards. Kenyon Drake only getting 10 carries and 26 yards. Um, Receiving-wise, DeAndre Hopkins, another monster game, nine catches, 169 yards and a touchdown. And then not much from everyone else with uh, Larry Fitzgerald and Chase Edmonds also catching touchdowns. Um, Mete, let me ask you in the receiving core, is it just Hopkins and no one else for fantasy? Hopkins. And then depending on the matchup, I guess I would go with Kirk and then Fitzgerald. So Kirk would be my second option. So they're they're just matchup dependent at this point. Yeah, those two are matchup dependent. Yeah. And then in terms of the backfield, is it now split between Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake? I know Edmonds, I don't know whether he got an injury or whatnot uh, from what I heard, but um, if they're both playing, would you see a split backfield or would you see it leaning one way or another? Yeah, I think it could be a split backfield because I've been noticing that Edmonds has been – He's been getting up more touches recently. So I think this could turn into a split backfield. Yeah, and I guess that's not as good for guys going into the fantasy finals, depending on either Drake or Edmonds, because we don't know who's going to get the lows from week to week. Um, let's move to the Sunday night game. Uh, Cleveland just dominated this game. They won it 20-6. to six. Um yeah, Baker Mayfield has looked phenomenal these past few weeks. Um, he had uh, 297 through the air, two passing touchdowns. Nick Chubb, 50 yards on the ground, which is quite low. But, I mean, they were they were leading very early. Um, and he also had a rushing touchdown. Kareem Hunt only getting uh, 21 rushing yards. And um, I don't know, um, Terry, is this just a one-off for Kareem Hunt? Do you think he'll bounce back next week? Cleveland. I mean, they're a run-heavy team this year. Uh, just think of it as off game. I mean, as I said earlier, none of these players are perfect, so everyone has off game, and I expect them to bounce back next week. Yeah, for sure. Um, through the air, Jarvis Landry, seven catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. 
Rashard Higgins, four catches, 76 yards. Uh, do you think uh, Rashard Higgins should be a primary pickup if you're you're desperate at wide receiver? Um, I believe they're playing the Jets next week, correct? Oh, yeah, then he definitely should be a pickup. They are, yeah. Yeah, that because, I mean, uh, assuming that Cleveland doesn't play the way the, the Rams played this past week, uh, we – I think it's pretty safe to assume that the, the Browns should be able to win this game um, against the Jets. And um, I guess moving over to the Giants, no Daniel Jones in this game. Colt McCoy, 221 through the air. Um, no passing touchdowns. Um, Alfred Morris actually led this team in rushing yards with 39. Uh, Wayne Gallman has just been dropping off week by week. Only 29 rushing yards in this game with Deion Lewis factoring uh, just four yards and then 14 in the receiving game. Um, and yeah, this is, it's just been a mixed bag for this Giants offense. The the receiving core Slayton had 74 yards, uh, Sterling Shepard at 51 yards and Evan Ingram factored in with 46. Uh, Mete, let me just ask you, can we trust anyone from this Giants offense at this point? Uh, I don't think so. Maybe Ingram because tight ends haven't been good, so he's yeah, probably I was like the same thing. Yeah, top twelve. Other than that, they're pretty inconsistent. So, yeah, uh, even their run game has become very inconsistent, which was once their strength actually, and it's just been it's just gone off the rails a little bit. Um, moving on to the final game of the weekend from Monday, uh, Terry. Let me ask you, how does it feel to be a Bengals fan this weekend? Uh, amazing. <laughs> once man it was, it was a crazy game uh I, I think that the Bengals were motivated by everything that happened with uh juju dancing at the center field um i i think that coach mike tomlin said he's going to talk to him about that yeah. now it's become a, a serious thing um yeah terry j- just um explain what happened for the Bengals on offense in this game honestly after that tiktok got posted up it was motivation for the team, I believe. Von Bell was hunting for Drew Smith, as you've seen right before the pre-snap uh, play. And it's just one of those days where, like, I guess motivation outweighed the uh, talent. Yeah. On top um, of, um, I guess, Big Ben having some questionable throws, especially in the last drive. Um, besides that, uh, every dog got their day, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was a big day. Uh, Bernard had uh, 83 on the ground, 14 through the air, two touchdowns, one on the ground, one through the air. Ryan Finley, although only 89 passing yards, he threw for a passing touchdown and ran in for a running score. A.J. Green, T. Higgins both had 40 yards or less. Um, I mean, it wasn't a big day on offense. I, I feel like the defense really came to play for the Bengals in this game. They did. Yeah. Um, I guess going forward, you still wouldn't trust anyone from the Bengals. It's very matchup dependent. Exactly. Um, probably besides Joe Mixon until he comes back. I mean, that's the only guy you can rely on as well as Jer- uh, Joe Burrow. But besides those two, um, come back next year and find out. Yeah, I think T. Higgins will be a big part of the offense next year. I really like his talent. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, looking at the Steelers, uh, it was like you said, it was, it was pretty much of a mixed bag here. Um, 
uh, Ben Roethlisberger, 170 through the year, a touchdown and a pick. Uh, Benny Snell started in the place of James Conner in this game with 84 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, let me ask you, actually, uh, if Conner's out, can you roll with Snell in your lineup? Earlier in the year, I would have said yes. Um, I didn't really pay attention to Conner's stat line after the game just because of how happy I was to actually beat the Steelers for once. Um, but you assume they should just due to the fact that who do they have behind Benny Snell? Um, I believe Samuel, if anything, besides Samuel's that. And McFarland, yeah. Yeah. I mean, earlier in the season, McFarland did have a good game. But aside from that, it's usually we're running with Benny Snell if Jim Connors out. Uh, and then through the air, Deontay Johnson, eight catches, 59 yards, and a touchdown. It seems like he's back in Mike Tomlin's trust as the top receiver for this team. Chase Claypool, three catches, 54 yards with Juju Smith-Schuster only getting three catches for 15 yards. Um, what's the order that you would place these receivers going forward week to week? Week to week? Oh, boy. Um, I mean, you want to say Juju, but then after all the pregame antics, like, do you expect Tommy to uh, put a place for him? As well as Chase Claypool, I believe that his antics with Juju, this game cost him a couple of reps. And that's why you saw DJ just have so much more. Um, from further on, well, into the future. Oh boy, that's kind of tough. Like my heart says, go Juju, um, Chase, and then DJ, because you see DJ dropping like some passes that he should be catching. Yeah. But my head says, God, from like after this week go DJ, Juju, and then maybe Chase, just because Chase is the rook, and then he might be in the doghouse for one more week just to get the message across the clubhouse. Yeah, I think that um, Chase also is relying on those big plays, and those big plays don't come every game. Uh, exactly. Deontay Johnson is clearly getting the targets. His target share got right back up into the teens with 13 targets this week. I think that he's out of Mike Tomlin's doghouse after all those drops as he looked very stellar in this game. Um, and I think that wraps it up for this uh, recap. Um, we're now going to move into the week 16 preview and take a look at some of the upcoming games for this week. All right. We're going to preview the upcoming NFL slate for week 16. A lot of you guys will be heading into your championship weekends in fantasy, and we'll take a look at some of the games, uh, give our picks for who we think is going to win and uh, talk about uh who we think will be fantasy relevant uh, this week. Uh, I'm joined by Terry. Terry, welcome. Um, let's start with the first game here. Uh, the Saints are playing the Vikings on Christmas. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, who, who are you taking for this game? Honestly, I got to go with the Saints here. Um, even though they just came off a loss against the Chiefs, I feel like it was – not something that they can control just because, you know, Patrick Mahomes. And all you can do is your best, and then still you can always fall behind against that Kansas City offense. But I feel like the Vikings are reeling, and they are eliminated from the playoffs now. So it's mostly um, the Saints trying to fight for the first seed in the AFC now. 
Yeah, um, I, I do want to say that the Vikings did beat the Saints last year in the playoffs, but I see this being a turnaround since it's not a playoff game. I also see the Saints winning this game, uh, even though uh, Michael Thomas will be out, uh, Traquan Smith could possibly be out of this game. And um, let me just get your thoughts. Uh, would you be able to slide Emmanuel Sanders into your fantasy lineup uh, with with the potential of those two receivers being out? Most definitely. You can probably put him in like, and not worry about him. Not as a receiver one, but probably maybe a receiver two or maybe even a flex and try not to worry about it. Um, besides Sanders on the Saints offense, you can probably rely on Kamara as always. If um, the Saints do get ahead, rely on uh, Murray. And Breezy didn't look that bad in the second half against the Chiefs, so you can probably run with Breeze maybe as a top 12 quarterback if anything as well. Um, what about Jared Cook? Uh, could you roll him in if, you, if you're kind of desperate at tight end? Uh, at this rate, if you're running Jared Cook, I mean, you probably – how you to. got to the finals, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, someone drops, like, I don't know, Waller or something, but who knows? But yeah. To be just honest. run with this rate, plus someone's beautiful pops up on waiver wire. Yeah, for sure. Um, the Saints do have a tough defense. So besides Dalvin Cook, are you rolling with any other Vikings players in this game? Run with JJ, run with uh, Thielen, honestly. Besides that, um, just be cautious with uh, the tight ends on Minnesota. I believe they have. Is Rudolph still? Rudolph might be out for this game. Rudolph, I hope. My apologies. Um, if Rudolph is out, uh, just be wary of us, Smith. And Smith is basically a boom and bust. Um, I touched on like pretty much every tight end this season, besides Kelsey and Waller. Yeah, and I, I think we can also avoid Kirk Cousins as the, the Saints have one of the top pass defenses in the league. I don't know how much he's going to be able to produce in this game. Who would you put ahead of uh, Kirk, if anything? I, I'd actually play Drew Brees over Kirk Cousins in fantasy this week. Well, drink Cousins in anything. Yeah, I think that uh, the Vikings have had problems with their pass defense this year. And I think that Drew Brees can exploit that even with a limited receiving core. And I think Kamara will play a big part in this game if the Saints win. Yes, he is. Um, let's go to the Saturday games, uh, starting out with the Bucks against the Lions. And I, although the Lions don't have much to play for, uh, they can play spoiler to the Bucks in this game. I, I'm still running with Tampa Bay. I, I'm not sure about you. I think you probably say the same thing. Of course, Tampa Bay, all the way. Yeah. Um, in this game, uh, you're probably rolling with Tom Brady. I think he can be relied on as a top 12 option this week at quarterback. Um, are, are you rolling with Fournette, assuming Ronald Jones is out? Uh, yeah, just put him in at running back and then hope for the best at this rate. Uh, what do you believe that um, the wide receiver core in Tampa Bay is going to do? Um, I don't know. I feel like that Evans has been the most consistent the past, uh, I'd say, three or four weeks. I'd probably roll with him as a uh, maybe like a 14, 15 wide receiver option this week. Uh, 
around there. And I think maybe uh, Godwin and AB, they've produced around the same during that time period. So I think you can roll with either of them as maybe a, a wide, wide receiver three low end or sorry, high end flex option. Uh, I don't know how much consistency you're going to get out of them, especially if the bucks go up early and then they're just uh, probably running, running the clock at the end. Um, in terms of Detroit, um, besides uh, DeAndre Swift, are you starting anyone on the Lions? Uh, just play the tight end at this rate. Um, besides that, Stafford, um, they're going against the Bucks defense. Yeah, if he plays, Stafford might not play in this game. Might not play. Just run with the tight end down in Detroit. I, I don't even know if you can run with Hawkinson if Stafford's out. <laughs> uh, who is the backup at this rate? Um, I think either Chase Daniel or there might be another quarterback there. Oh. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Even Marvin Jones, I don't know if I can roll with him this week. Maybe as a flex option. I mean, you're already saying that Stafford's out. I mean, could you even trust anyone from the wide receiver court over there? I think it could just be DeAndre Swift. And if they get a touchdown, it might be DeAndre Swift. That's that's probably what it's looking like. Yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be much for the Lions in this game. Uh, let's go to the afternoon game. It's the, the 49ers against the Cardinals. The 49ers were just eliminated from the playoffs last week. So I'm going to be rolling with the Cardinals this week. I think that they can feel the, the Bears behind them in the race. And I feel like that they're going to have a statement win this weekend. Honestly, I can't disagree with you on this. I mean, the Niners are probably just going to be testing out like who's who they can keep it into next year. Probably Jeff Wilson is going to get a lot of touches. I'm not a thousand percent sure on that. Um, as for the Cardinals, I mean, who else besides DeAndre Hopkins could you really rely on? Um, I think for the Cardinals, I'll roll with Kyler Murray in this game. Um, I roll with DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kenyon Drake has been fairly inconsistent, but if you need an option at running back, I think you can roll with him. Um and I think as for the rest of that team, Christian Kirk, you can't rely on him. Larry Fitzgerald, the same, as well as Dan Arnold. I, th I think it's just primarily the top two, along with possibly Kenyon Drake. And then what about the 49ers? Who are you looking at from that team? Uh, Brandon Nayuk, and besides that, um, running backs, maybe, as I said before, Jeff Wilson Jr. Yeah, but... I think Mostert's not – I think Mostert might be done for the season, so I think – Wilson's just a full go at this point. It's just been a sad year when you think about it for the 49ers. I mean, they've just been riddled with injuries when you just stop and look at it from the whole entire year. Yeah, I think uh, Kittle was activated off of IR. So if he plays, would you start him or do you think he'll be limited? Honestly, personally, if I was the head coach, limit him. You don't want him getting re-injured in the final week over – something that's not worth as much. Yeah, just... meaningless games, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think the same thing. I think that if you're going to start Kittle, it'd probably be as a flex option. You'd have to temper your expectations because he might be limited in the game. Um, let's go to the, the evening game on Saturday. Uh, it'll be the Dolphins against the Raiders. This game is full of playoff implications. Uh, the Raiders are barely holding on to their livelihood in the AFC, and the Dolphins are trying to solidify that final playoff spot. Um, I honestly believe in the Dolphins, even if they don't get Parker and Kasicki back for this game. I believe in what they're doing. I believe in this defense. I think that their defense is a million times better than the Raiders defense. And I think that, uh, that that's going to make the difference in this game. I don't know about you. Who are you taking in this game? 
go with the Dolphins. I mean, I mean, the Raiders are just like mediocre at best right now. Um, as you said before, the Dolphins need to win this to clinch the last uh, wild card spot. Am I correct? Yeah. Besides that, um, there's not that much else to say. I mean, the Raiders need to win the next two games just to even hopefully be considered for a wild card spot at this rate. Yeah, I think for the Raiders, they said Derek Carr might play in this game, but I think against this defense, he's not he's not startable, in my opinion. Um, besides Josh Jacobs is, and, of course, Darren Waller, is there anyone else that you can roll with from this uh, Raiders offense? Uh, wide out core, honestly, not a thousand percent sure. It's probably going to be a spread to wealth type of game um, when it comes to the wideouts. Besides that, um, where would you rank Carr? when it comes to the rankings of quarterbacks? Um, I think that against this defense, um, he might be in the uh, 16, 17, uh, around there for quarterbacks. I think that you can definitely put 15 guys over him this week uh, in terms of projected points. I also think for the wide receivers, uh, I don't know how much they're going to be able to produce uh, having – Byron Jones and Xavier Howard as the cornerbacks in Miami. I like they've just locked down pretty much any receiving core that's come through there uh, besides Kansas city, of course. So um, it, it's going to be tough um, in terms of Miami. Um, I think this is a smash spot. If you want to start to Tega Vailoa, you know, against this, this poor Raiders defense, I don't know what you think about that. And also what you think about um, the rest of the offense. Um, with Tua, I probably would rank him probably around uh, maybe 13, 14, but that's probably being generous just because I haven't watched Tua as much as I wanted to this year. Um, is Gaskins going to be available for week 16? I think he should be. Uh, all things have been pointing towards that, but if not, um, Ahmed did have a good game last week. Um, and I think that uh, either of the running backs, whichever one is going to be starting, I think you can roll them in because this Raiders run defense has been porous all season. They've been allowing everything through. Um, yeah, and I think um, uh, in terms of pass catchers, if uh, Gesicki and Parker are out, can you start anyone? I'm not even a thousand percent sure on that, man. Um, who's left from the receiver core, if anything? Yeah, there's not much. I don't even think Grant's going to play. Um, Lynn Bowden, there's uh, a couple other names. Um, yeah, and I, I don't think I can trust anyone because they'll be splitting it among the remaining tight ends as well. But if Kasiki and Parker start, you have to start them in this matchup. This is too good of a matchup not to start them. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's go to uh, Sunday slate. Uh, we've got the Broncos against the Chargers. Uh, both teams have been eliminated from playoff contention. This is sort of a a pride division game, you know, you're just trying to win for your pride. I think um, the Chargers can win this game with the momentum that they got from last week, but the Broncos have been a, a much better team in the last few weeks than they were earlier in the season. What's your opinion on this game? Who are you taking? Um, I might sound favorable for the Chargers in this just because I have Austin Eckler, but I feel like their offense might carry them in this game. As well as they just fired their defensive coordinator probably last week, correct? I believe so. Um, they're still probably trying to prove something to the defensive coordinator, if anything. Um, I personally would go with the Chargers on this. 
Yeah, I think that the Chargers uh, definitely also being at home, uh, this is their chance to sort of say that uh, we're better uh, than our record shows. And uh, they did prove that last week against the Raiders, and I think they can do it again against the Broncos. Uh, let's just go through some of the, the fantasy uh, players in this game. Uh, from the Chargers, I assume you can start Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen if he plays, uh, yeah. Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry um, probably has a – what would you rank him uh, between the tight ends right now? If um, I'd say eight or nine. He's around there. Yeah, I nine. think like because tight ends have been very weak this year. I think you can put uh, Kelsey, uh, Waller, Andrews, uh, Kittle if he plays. Um, you can put Logan Thomas over him. Um, you can put uh, – there's a couple other guys. Gesicki if he plays, you can put over uh, Hunter Henry. Um, if Stafford Hawkinson. plays Hawkinson, if Stafford plays Hawkinson is definitely over. Yeah. And then um, maybe a guy like Noah Fant, uh, we'll, we'll talk about him when we get to the Broncos. But yeah, I, I think that it, uh, if you've been starting Henry all year, I think you just need to roll him into your lineup. If, you're, if you've gotten to the fantasy championship this weekend, just keep rolling with him. Um, what about a guy like Mike Williams or anyone else? Um, what, what if Keenan Allen doesn't play? Keenan Allen doesn't play. I feel like Justin Herbert's going to go back to what he did last week, and that's like just trying to spread the wealth among the receivers. Um, besides that, uh, it depends if uh, Austin Eckler is going to be on the count because they did mention after the end of the game how uh, they were just trying to limit uh, the reps of like all the star players on the Chargers, whether it be Eckler. Um, I'm not sure if Allen played last weekend uh williams as well all right so i guess we just got to temper expectations with anyone that we start um on the team. Sure. yeah um and i think with the broncos i don't think drew Locke is in the realm of starting quarterbacks this season um melvin gordon has been good what's your opinion on him this is what i hate about uh the broncos uh run games either Lindsay one week or Melvin Gordon. And that was just at the start of the season. But after Lindsay's injury, it was more the Melvin Gordon show like for the past two, maybe three weeks of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, if the Broncos head coach does decide to limit Lindsay again, go with Melvin Gordon, probably as a running back two. Maybe uh, running back one, running back two, but temper your expectations as always, mm-hmm. just because it's the Broncos, right? Besides from that, um, who else could you play on this Broncos offense? Uh, I think probably Noah Fant is your best pass catcher at the tight end. Just because tight ends are very thin this year, I think Noah Fant, you can roll him in in this matchup. Um, in terms of pass catchers, um, I don't I don't know about Tim Patrick or Jerry Judy. Um, if you're going to pick one, I think Tim Patrick's been more consistent over this year in terms of targets. And he's been finding the end zone more consistently as well. I think I would favor Patrick over Judy, not talent wise, but in terms of production. Understandable. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at the next game. We got the Browns against the Jets. Uh, this should be a smash spot for the Browns. I, I assume that you're taking the Browns as well, and you'd pretty much start everyone on the Browns in this game. What's your opinion on that? Um, it's honestly a punching bag game for the Browns. Um, 
whoever on the Jets that wants a contract next year, they're probably going to have to play their hearts out, but it's it's the Browns and Detroit. Um, players that you can probably roll with at, on the Browns, I'd say Chubb, Hunt, uh, Juice as well. Would you uh, start Higgins without? Uh, I would start Higgins as a flex option this week. I actually like Higgins. He played very well last couple weeks. I also like Austin Hooper if he plays in this game. I think he'll he'll play well. And I also, I, I'd put Baker in my top 12 quarterbacks this week. And he's been pretty consistent over the past few weeks. Uh, he's, I, I, although they'll sometimes limit his uh, pass production, uh, he'll, he, but he's definitely been efficient with that pass production. So even if he only throws 28 balls all game or something like that, uh, he'll still have a good amount of yardage and some passing touchdowns for sure. Um, and then in terms of the Jets against this Brown defense, I just assume you just don't start anyone. Start anyone at this rate. Yeah. Like even though Jamison Crowder is their, their best offensive player, I wouldn't even start him. I don't think Was this it is a on the defense, uh, at this rate, or anyone else? Uh, I, I'm not sure who they have in, in the slot. Um, I, I believe their slot corner is their worst corner, um, because of um, who they have on the perimeter. But, um, yeah, I, I still think that uh, Crowder, I mean, he's gonna have a tough time getting much of anything because there's gonna be so much pressure on Donald or uh, Darnold in the, in the pocket, and I just I don't know how many passes he'll be able to get off. Yeah. Um, let's go to the next game, the Giants against the Ravens. Um, although the Giants are playing for the playoff lives, so are the Ravens. And I think the Ravens, the way they've been playing the past few weeks, I think that they can win this game. Uh, who are you taking here? I'll go with the Ravens on this one. I mean, they just had a punching bag game against the Jaguars last week. So you assume that they carried on to this week against a weak NFC East. Um, players that you can probably start. Lamar Jackson, without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andrews, as always. Yeah. Uh, What do you think about the running backs? I think in this game, I know the Giants do have a better run defense. Um, J.K. Dobbins, I would start as like an RB two this week. So I'd say in the in the top twenty four as a running back. And I think Gus Edwards, if you need a flex option that you, you maybe think, oh, I need a flex option that's going to possibly find the end zone this week. I think Gus Edwards is that kind of player that you can throw into your flex spot and try and get a touchdown off of it. I see, I see. Yeah. And then what about the Giants? Um, uh, Daniel Jones might not play. So who are you looking at in this game, if anyone? Um, Personally, I wouldn't touch the Giants' offense at all, to be honest with you. Um, Who could you even start? anything without a doubt. Uh, I know Wayne Goldman has not been consistent in the past couple weeks, so I don't know if I could even start him. He'd probably be the only one. Uh, Evan Engram, maybe, if you're desperate at tight end. He's the only one that I'm thinking that some managers might have to start if if they're stuck in the the, the finals well, without a proper QB. I think right. that uh, Evan Engram's def- or QB uh, tight end, sorry. Uh, Evan Engram would definitely be someone that they could Role in there, there's definitely risk. Um, he just hasn't looked um, himself this year. Um, he's gotten a lot of targets. He hasn't done much with them. So I, you'll just have to temper your expectations, as always, with um, Evan Ingram. 
and the whole Giants team as a whole. Um, let's go to the next game. Uh, the Bengals are in Houston to play the Texans. Um, what do you think about the Bengals this week? Do they have a chance at winning this game? What do you think? Honestly, even though I do follow Bengals a lot, um, no, just go with the Texans on this without a doubt. Um, I feel like last week they were more energized just because of what uh, happened on at center field. Mm-hmm. But this week, I feel like they're just going to be back to where they were um, for most of the season. Yeah, I think some players on Houston are playing for their jobs next year. So I think they'll definitely come to play. They didn't have a bad game last week against Indy. So they, they had a nice almost comeback there in the third and fourth quarter. Um, for Houston, I just assume you roll out Deshaun Watson like you always do, uh, no matter who he's throwing to. Um, and then um, I think I'd roll with uh, Brandon Cooks and Kiki Kuti. Um mm-hmm. Is there anyone else, whether it's a tight end or running back, that you'd be comfortable playing in this game? Tight ends in Texans, no. Or on the Texans, no. Um, what about David Johnson? Is he going to be playing? Yeah, I, I think he's going to be playing. He had a nice game last week. Um, what do you think about him this week? Um, I want to running back, too, just because I don't fully trust him as a running back one option as of yet. Um, ranking them among the running backs in second category, I'd probably go maybe in the middle of the pack, but temper your expectations as always, right? Yeah. Um, if they go up early, I definitely can see him getting a, a nice workload. Um, and then also he was pass catching. So I think no matter the game script, you, you might be able to trust him. I don't know. His ceiling's kind of capped because they haven't really utilized him a whole lot, but he definitely gets work from what I've noticed. And then as for the Bengals, um, can you start Bernard here? Because I know Houston does have a poor run defense. Um, Just because Bernard can do probably anything on the offense, whether it be running a route or just probably taking a handoff, just start him as a running back one, no running back two, maybe at the low ends and then and running back to probably around 24, 25, 26-ish. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking as well. Besides from that, um, who could you start from the receiver court in Cincinnati? I, I'm just going to stick with T. Higgins because I don't think Tyler Boyd – there's a chance Tyler Boyd doesn't play. And yeah. even if Tyler Boyd doesn't play, he hasn't been getting consistent targets. So I think it's just T. Higgins if you need a flex option for that. I don't even think he's a top two uh, wide out for a team. Um yeah, and in terms of uh, quarterback play or tight end play, you just don't look there when it comes to the Bengals. Um, moving on to the, the next game, the Bears against the Jags. Um, the Bears have to win here if they want to make the playoffs. So I just, I'll take them in this game. Uh, I think you will as well. Um, it, it, for the Bears, I think it's, you just start, um, I think you can start Trubisky. I don't know if he's a top 12 quarterback, but I think that he's better than a lot of options at some teams might have like I think I'd roll him over someone like Derek Carr over someone like maybe uh, Drew Locke over maybe uh, I don't know there's a couple other quarterbacks I would start him over because I I feel like he can have a good game here Um, who else on this Bears team do you like Uh, David Montgomery is always uh, yeah for sure Um, what about um, 
Definitely not Jimmy Graham. Yeah, he's kind of in that 15th tight end where you kind of just got to hope for a touchdown. That's exactly. Yeah. Um, what about the second wideout? Uh, Mooney, I believe. Yeah, I think Mooney is ahead of Miller now in the depth chart. I actually think that you can put Mooney in your flex this week if you're if if you don't have someone like if you have an injury like let's just say uh, you have Julio Jones out or if Devontae Parker doesn't play and you're looking for someone or even you had Michael Thomas and he's now hurt um, if you're looking for someone that might be available on the waiver I think Mooney's definitely someone that you can pick up and start in this game um, when it comes to Jacksonville if Robinson plays is he the only guy you can start the only guy this week. Um... You're expecting probably 12 points from your quarterback in the final game. Run guard him in all I care. Um, aside from that, if Robinson doesn't play, would you run with um the next running back on the depth chart? Uh, no, I would. This is Chicago. Uh, you know, the, Robinson's been so good. That's the only reason I'd roll with him. But any other running back, I can't. I can't roll with. And then wideouts and tight ends, I'm I'm just avoiding this week. It's a spread the wealth. Yeah, and chart. I would say chart, but he's not getting consistent targets, and the corners for the Bears are very good. So, exactly, not taking chances there. Um, We actually have a game that could be a shootout. Um, It's the Falcons against the Chiefs. Both teams run pretty high-powered offenses. I'm just sticking with the Chiefs here. I I don't think the Falcons have enough weapons up front to get it done. I know Gurley's dealt with his injuries and Julio Jones as well. Um, I assume you're taking the Chiefs in this game. End of story, Chiefs. It's a punching bag game for the Chiefs at this rate. Yeah. um, From Atlanta, if Julio does not play, um, who are you starting in this game? Um, Ron Ridley, Ron... The next wide receiver on the list as Russell well. Gage. Yeah. Russell Gage. I always forget that name. Um, aside from that, try to avoid the running back situation down in Atlanta. Yeah, it's right terrible. Now. Terrible. I don't know who's going to start next year, whether it be Smith or even Hill. They might draft a running back from what I heard. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. What about Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan? Yes, the Chiefs secondary. I mean, my heart always says go with Matt Ryan just because for namesakes as well, right? But mm-hmm. I think I feel like I got to go with maybe another quarterback. As you said before, Mitch Trubisky is playing. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I think I'd start Trubisky over Matt Ryan this week. I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's a feeling. Thanks, right? Yeah. I mean, you got to put him. Aside from that, um, just temper your expectations as always with Matt Ryan. Um, what about Hayden Hurst? He found the end zone last week. I know he's been inconsistent. Could you start him in this game or would you just avoid him if you can? Uh, I mean, who's left on the waiver wire at tight end at this rate? Yeah, if he's um, on the waiver and you and if you have like a Jimmy Graham or you have like a, a I don't know, um, a Drew Sample or, or someone like that, I think you can start Hurst over those kind of guys. But it, I, I think if you have, you know, uh, an Evan Ingram or maybe um, someone else, I think you could start them over Hayden Hurst because he's been very inconsistent, both target-wise and uh, end zone target-wise. I mean, if you have Drew Sample of all tight ends, I mean, you can do way better than that, am I correct? <laughs> yeah. Um, what about Kansas City? I just assume you start everyone here. 
Sorry, everyone. Um, someone's going to go off. I mean, I get into you. You're going to see the days from Kelsey Hill, Mahomes. Um, is Clyde playing today or? Uh, no, I think coming? it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, run Le'Veon. I think you can start Le'Veon. Yeah, I think you can. I I'd say probably a, a low end RB two. I think so. Maybe around 21, 22, I'd rank him. Uh, this week, because the Falcons do have a good run defense, but I think he'll just get a lot of carries. That's what will lead to his volume. Um, honestly, I can't disagree with you on that. Just start anyone on the Chiefs if you do have them. Hopefully. I think you can start Watkins. I, I don't know about Hardman just because he doesn't get enough looks, but Watkins definitely. And then, yeah, Mahomes, he should be, uh, if not the top um uh, quarterback this week in, in the rankings. He's just so consistent. Exactly. Yeah. Um, moving on, uh, the Colts are facing the Steelers. And I know a lot of people are saying, okay, this is the game where the Steelers are going to get it right. They've addressed all their issues off the field. And, uh, you know, like originally you, you, you just look at this game. Oh, the Steelers are reeling. So I'm going to pick the Colts. And then you think about it. Okay. You know, the Steelers, they, they've kind of, uh, they had the, the players only meeting with Ben Roethlisberger. They had uh, the coach talk to Juju and then Juju spoke to the press about stopping the, the dances and stuff. So then you might think, okay, maybe this is the, the spot where the Steelers finally get it right. But then again, I just think back and I, I, I'm still taking the Colts in this game. I don't know about you. Really? Yeah. For some reason, I feel like the Steelers might or will get it done. I mean, if you look back on the last three games the Colts played, they played twice against the Texans and then one time against the Raiders. Am I correct? Uh, yeah, and they had a game against Tennessee in there, I believe. Tennessee was probably like the fourth. They lost game. to Tennessee that game because uh, they didn't have Buckner and another player on defense. Right. Yeah. From the last three games, I mean, if they're playing the Texans and the Raiders, as I was saying, um. Do you really think that defense will hold up against the wide receivers and even like the running backs of Pittsburgh? Or do you think yeah, otherwise? well, from, from what I think, um, if they have Buckner and Leonard uh, on the, the defensive line, the Steelers are, have already been struggling with their run game. Um, even if, even if uh, James Conner is out, I'm not starting Benny Snell or Conner in this game. Like the, the Colts run defense has just been amazing. Uh, this year. So uh, that's taken care of. And then in terms of the past game, uh, uh, Blackman has been one of the breakout rookies at corner for uh, the Colts and uh, their secondary has improved a lot. So I just don't know how much offense the Steelers are going to get. Um, but if you think that they're going to set it right this week, they get, I guess they just find a way to get it done. That's where I'm coming from on this, on this tape. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Um, I guess for the Steelers, if you're not starting any running backs, are you starting either Ben Roethlisberger or any of the receivers? I mean, you have to start Ben at this rate. I mean, you probably took him early in your draft, if anything. Uh, who else could you start? Would you even start Chase or no? Um, I think I'm definitely out of the three main receivers. I'm starting Deontay Johnson just because of the targets. He's been getting over 10 targets consistently. Besides that drop, the game that he had a lot of drops and he got benched. If we take yeah. out that game, he's had over 10 targets almost every game. So I think you just got to follow target volume at this point. And he did have a touchdown. The only uh, receiving touchdown, I believe, for Pittsburgh uh, last game. 
Um, and yeah, he, you know, he's just been the most consistent and assuming he does, we're, we're just assuming he doesn't drop a bunch of passes. And then in terms of Juju and Chase, just pick one, honestly, I don't know who it's going to be. One of them will go off and one of them is just going to be a dumpster fire. So last week, Juju was the dumpster fire. It, it's up in the air this week, who, who, who it's going to be in my opinion. And then Ebron, I, I don't see a path for him. Uh, this game, especially after all of his drops. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, what about the Colts? Who are you looking Colts? at? Uh, Ron Taylor, honestly. Yeah. Rivers might be a quarterback 14, 13, around that general area. Um, aside from that, run TY, most likely just because that you did take him around probably round five or six, depending on mm-hmm. how early you took him. Besides from that, um, you're probably just going to have to temper your expectations. On... Yeah, Pittsburgh has a good defense, so it's going to be tough. Exactly. Yeah, I think that with Rivers, um, I know that uh, the Colts have been relying on their run game, um, and Rivers is definitely going to have to be more cautious uh, with his throws in this game because uh, we know uh, with guys like Joe Hayden, Minka Fitzpatrick, all the guys they have back uh, in the back there, uh, they can just pick off passes pretty easily. And if this Steelers team really has turned things around, then it could get ugly if Rivers doesn't protect the ball properly. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to move on to the next game. Uh, it's the Panthers and the Washington football team. Um, I don't know. Um, if Haskins plays quarterback, I think I'm going to take the Panthers in this game. That That's just... That's just a feeling I have. Um, the Panthers, they they had they had a drive going to potentially beat Green Bay last week, and then a couple penalties later, and you 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 know the deal, right? I think the Panthers are better than their record. They have a, an excellent young defense. Their offense, I mean, there's more to be desired, obviously, without uh, C Mac, right? Exactly. Um, yeah, I just think that the Panthers have a chance to. Uh, do well in this game and potentially win if the football team doesn't have Alex Smith. What do you think? I completely agree with you on it. I mean, if Haskins is playing, especially with after all the drama that you've heard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I heard about that. I don't know. And as you did say, uh, Bridgewater did lead the offense against the Packers in a close game that most people expected to be a blowout. Yeah, exactly. Um. I don't know. I feel like the Panthers are going to win this one. Yeah. Um, from the Panthers, um, I assume you start Mike Davis uh, without C-Mac, or are you scared of the Washington uh, front seven? Honestly, um, just run with Mike at this um, at this rate, just because he's going to be getting all the opportunities, am I correct? Uh, yeah, for the most part. Um, and then uh, wideouts, um, would you start uh, any wideouts from this team and which ones? And then what about Teddy as well? Teddy, let's get that one out of the way first. Um, I personally would probably rank up around probably quarterback 12 to maybe even 16-ish, maybe even 18. But I would have to look at like the whole entire list and then probably figure that out myself. Yeah, for sure. That's that. Um, let's see. A slot wide out in Carolina, temper your expectations, uh, especially if you put them at flex. When it comes to those two other um, wide outs down in Carolina, 
who are they? Robbie Anderson and then and DJ Moore. Yeah. I honestly would go with uh Anderson as just put him in your lineup and don't think about it. As for DJ Moore, probably put him at uh wide out too, just because Bridgewater will spread the wealth when it comes to Yeah, I've noticed that as well. Um and yeah, as for Washington, if there's no Alex Smith, I think that we can still start scary Terry because he's he's been pretty good uh this year. What about anyone else on this team? Um, run Terry, run Thomas. Besides that, or uh, who else could you start? Aside from, would you run with McKissick? I don't Probably. know. I I'd, I'd be inclined if Alex Smith was there to run McKissick because Smith loves checkdowns. Good point. So and McKissick, I think, caught eleven balls in one game uh, when Smith was behind center, and that's that's production right there. Exactly, but then, as you were saying, if Haskins does start... Yeah, if Haskins starts, I don't know how much I trust McKissick because uh, the Panthers do have a good defense. I think you just roll him in as a flex option if you're desperate at that point. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next game, it, it's a pretty big game. It should decide the NFC West. Uh, we have the Rams in Seattle against the Seahawks. Um, after the Rams got embarrassed last week, do you think that this is a redemption game or do you see the Seahawks taking it? I mean, you want it to be a redemption game, especially after you lose to a team like the Jets right now. Um, I feel like a few of the guys on the defense will have some will have something to prove, um, whether it be Ramsey against DK again, or whether it be Darnold just trying to make a mockery of the offensive line down in Seattle. Mm. Besides that, um, I mean, it's the Seahawks offense, all right? You got Lockett, you got DK, and you've got those weapons on the ground as well. I just got to go with the Rams. I feel like there might be an upset coming from this. Okay. Um, I know the Rams did win the last matchup these two teams had earlier in the year. Um, I just see Seattle's defense in a different place than it was earlier this year. It had trouble um, uh, in the secondary, especially. And I feel like that this could be the game, especially if Cam Akers doesn't play for the Rams and they don't have that running back that's really going to push the tempo for them, I feel like the Seattle can win this. I feel like with the Seahawks, even though the Rams do have a tough defense, you can still roll with Wilson. He won't be a top five quarterback, but he might be like your, the seventh or eighth quarterback on the slate this week. Um, Chris Carson, definitely. He's been great, uh, whether uh, rushing or pass catching. Uh, Metcalf, you got to go with him if he plays. He's uh, He's a top 12 receiver. And uh, Lockett, um, he has the easiest of the cornerback matchups because he's in the slot. So I think that if you need, uh, I, I'd say uh, from between, I'd say 20 to 30 range, you might be able to slot him in there, maybe a 25 or 26 receiver. So if you, if you need like a high-end flex option, low-end wide receiver too, I think you can roll with Lockett. And then uh, I don't know, what do you think about these guys? Um, honestly, I can't complain about anything you just uh, said. Besides from, um, I might temper my expectations a little bit more on Lockett, but I mean, besides that, that's all I can probably say negative about this. Yeah. What do you think? About- um, yeah. What What about the Rams? If Acres doesn't play, which running back are you looking at there? I want to say Henderson. Actually, go with Henderson. 
because I feel like Brown might not get any touches and uh, may he may get a few touches with McVeigh, but aside from that, run with Henderson as maybe a running back too, a low running back too. Yeah, I'd say about the same. Yeah. Uh, what about Jared Goff? Um, uh, to be honest, this is one thing I noticed about Goff. Um, it, it's tough in fantasy because you got to you got to put them in your lineup before the game. But if you watch him the first couple possessions, you can kind of tell whether the Rams are going to win the game or not. So it's one of those things you just got to – it's tough with Goff. He's just in that range where, you know, he's like a borderline starter, maybe like the 14-15 range, like you said about some of the other quarterbacks. I'd start Trubisky over him. Um, uh, maybe Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan might have a bounce-back game this week. I might even start Matt Ryan over Jared Goff just because of Sean McVay's commitment to the run game. I just don't know how much Goff is going to throw. Um and especially with uh, the way he played against the Jets last week. Um, are you good with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup? Um, as probably maybe flex options and maybe low-end uh, running uh, wideouts, yes. As you said before, um, if you see like the first few plays from Jared Goff, you can tell like if it's going to be a good or a bad day. Um, if it's a bad day, uh, if you put them at flex, you're probably going to enjoy it. But if you're expecting like wide out to production, you're going to have a bad day. Yeah. And I guess tight ends are just touchdown dependent at this point. Both of them. Most definitely. Yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things uh, with tight ends this year, unless you have Kelsey or you have um, Waller, it's, it's been a pretty tough year. Uh, in terms of tight ends. Um, in terms of the Eagles and the Cowboys, uh, who do you see winning here? It's a divisional game. Hurts is, uh, Jalen Hurts is playing him, right? Oh, uh, yeah. If he is, then I feel like I got to go with the Eagles on this one. Yep, I'm going with the Eagles too. I love what I'm seeing from Hurts. Um, I think he should be a top quarterback pickup if you have, uh, whether it's an injury or you just need a boost to your fantasy team. Um, pick up Jalen Hurts and throw him in your starting lineup against this underwhelming Cowboys defense. Uh, he, he's going to be a smash spot this week. Uh, what about Miles Sanders? Would you roll him in? RB2? I mean, if you did draft him, you probably you probably draft him around round two if he did fall, but most likely round one, am I correct? Uh, I'd say, yeah, round one or two, maybe drop to three, but it just depends on the league. Uh, just run with Miles at this rate. I mean, he got you to the dance, so might as well run with him, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, any receivers or tight ends you like from the Eagles in this game? At this rate, um, not a thousand percent sure on that one. I mean, I would go with full, Fulham, maybe even Ertz, but aside from that, I'm not a thousand percent like thinking reliability with when it comes to the Eagles and their receivers. Yeah, I know in terms of tight ends, I was high on Goddard earlier in the year, but since Ertz has come back, it's just been split sort of between the two. So it's very hard to get on board behind one of these guys. And then in terms of wide receivers, I mean, you could take a shot on Rager, in my opinion, just because of his deep threat ability. But uh, other than that, uh, Jeffrey and Fulgham have been splitting targets. So it, it's just been tough for me to kind of see anyone else. And then even then, Rager is like boom or bust. So you might get like 15 points or you might get like six points. And there's like no in between kind exactly. of thing, you know? Yeah. And um, in terms of the Cowboys, who do you like here? 
Cowboys, Jesus. Um, I guess go with Pollard in this rate, right? I mean, he's... Yeah, I think Elliot might or might not play. I guess if Elliot does play, would you go with him? Uh, I mean, how often did or how often do you usually see a running back like him struggle? Uh, you probably got him early. Uh, just go with him at this rate. Yeah, I, Unless that I like Pollard better without Elliot. I don't know. What do you think? Pollard or Elliot? No, Pollard without Elliot. I like him better than if Elliot was playing. Oh, most definitely. Aside from that, um, who else on the offense could you trust with those uh, three wideouts? CD? Um, uh, Amari for sure. I think Amari over CD, in my opinion. Amari over CD? Yeah, mm. and then a Gallup might not play. So I think just um, – I, I know Dalton Schultz has been touchdown or bust as usual. Um, yeah. I guess, uh, in my opinion, Amari and CD. I don't know about you. Honestly, I can't uh, defer from what you said. Um, Amari or CD at this rate. Yeah, it's just – it's been so tough with this team to, to trust anyone with Andy Dalton under center. Um well, let's go to the Sunday night game, Titans and Packers. So uh, this is going to be a, a big game for both teams. Packers trying to lock up that number one seed in the NFC and the Titans playing for their playoff lives. Um, who do you see taking this game? Um, I got to go with the Packers on this. I mean, Rodgers had a, some would say a poor game last week. I feel like he's going to bounce back and give you what you should have got last week. And even more. Um. I'm actually going to go with Tennessee in this game, and I'll tell you why. Um, the The Packers have allowed the third most rushing touchdowns this season. And when you got a big boy like Derrick Henry in the backfield, and I, I believe the Packers are also bottom five in running back yards allowed as well. So, I mean, if you got a guy like Derrick Henry that's ready to go, like, and he has been on fire these past few games. I think he went over 200 one of the games. And then he was pretty close last week. Um, I don't know how you stop Derrick Henry in this game. I actually think the Titans are are even more desperate to win this game with the Colts, you know, right behind them for the division. I actually, I don't know. I, I smell an upset here. It might not happen, but it, it just seems like the right time for it to happen. And the Packers have only beaten one team with a winning record this year. That is a good point. So I don't know. It, 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 there might be a chance of an upset here. I'm just, I'm smelling something here. And it okay, might be okay. King Henry burning through the whole defense. I don't know. Yeah, Derrick Henry's a must start it, it, in case you haven't gotten the clue yet. Yeah, he's, no, he's I got top, him. Yeah, he's the top running back this week. Um, what about the rest of Tennessee? Who do you like here? Um, go with, honestly, go with Brown as your uh, running back. Or not running back, Jesus. You got me confused. <laughs> Holy. Um, go with him as your wide out one, but yeah. if you're saying it's the Derrick Henry sh show, uh, you might have to temper your expectations to maybe a wide out two type of performance, mm -hmm. as well as um, who's on the wide out core? Oh, Corey, Davis. Corey Davis. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, if Tannehill does look his way, I feel like he might have a day. Aside from that, don't trust the tight ends over in um, Yeah, Tennessee. John, who's been inconsistent. Um, 
And what, what about Ryan Tannehill? I take him as a top 12 quarterback this week. Like he's been top. he's been in that range actually. He has been in the range and he's been quietly doing it just because Derrick Henry's been on the offense. And when you zero in on Henry, you assume Tannehill's just gonna take advantage on a couple of those plays, right? Yeah. Um in terms of Green Bay, what are you looking at? Uh start Rogers, start Jones, start Adams. Who else could you say? Start the tight end. Oh yeah, uh, Tanyan's been good. Exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, what about Lazard or Marquez? Would you start any of them? Uh, MVS. I would probably start him in your flex. But in recent weeks, I'm not a thousand percent sure, just because I just want to avoid that type of dilemma completely. Um, it was more of boomer bust at the start of the year. I'm not sure now, but um. If you want to start with my flex, go ahead, but temper your expectations as always. Um, Lazard, not a thousand percent sure about him, man. Yeah, I, I don't know about him as well. MVS is like 26 or three points, like no in between. Uh, he's just one of those guys that if you feel like that he's going to get behind the, the Titan secondary, then just, yeah, roll him in and just um, keep your... Uh, hopes up, I guess, uh, is, is all I can say. Um, the final game of our slate on uh, Monday night, we got the Bills in New England to visit the Patriots. And this was a three-point game the last time these two teams met in Buffalo. Um, I, I know both teams have trended in different directions since that point in time. Uh, who do you like in this game? Honestly, I'd rather go with Buffalo. I mean, they just clinched the playoffs. You might say they could be resting a couple of their starters, but I feel like it could be a punching bag game for the Bills. I don't know why I have that feeling, but it might happen. Um, um, I mean, as a New England fan, I, I got to cheer for my team, right? Whether I think they're going to win or not is a different story. Um, it's definitely going to be a close game. If they do lose to the Bills, I mean, it's bound to happen at this point, uh, the way the teams are trending. But I definitely think since the Patriots are home, and I mean, with Bill Belichick behind the bench, anything can happen, right? Exactly. So I, I definitely can take them in this game. Um, in terms of the Patriots, I assume that unless Damian Harris plays, you just don't start anyone from this team. Don't. At this rate, we don't know who to trust. Just don't. Yeah, even as a Patriots fan, I, I have to agree that if Damian Harris – Damian Harris has been very consistent. Uh, he's been the, the star on this team this season. The, the one – star that they've had on offense um, in, in a very uh, dark season. Um, and then in terms of Buffalo, everyone? Everyone. Um, Brown's coming back this week or no? Uh, if he, I, I assume he is. And if he does, I, I think I would start him as like a flex or so. As a flex? You'll put him ahead of uh, Cole Beasley or no? Um, I actually would. Uh, Beasley has mostly been getting his high-end target share with Brown out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. I actually think Josh Allen likes targeting Brown. Um, Diggs is definitely the guy to go with. Brown and Beasley are more um, riskier plays, in my opinion. Um, if you had all three in your lineup, um, I would actually sit Beasley over Brown assuming he's going to get the reps. If he's kind of like questionable going into the game, then I think I'd prefer Beasley over Brown. I see. Yeah. 
And then what about Josh Allen? Top five QB this week? Top five QB. Um, can get it done in through the air, through the ground. Uh, just start, sit back, relax. Hope yeah, for a 30. much. Oh, yeah, honestly. Um, I know Dawson Knox found the end zone last week. Uh, is he more of a touchdown or bust tight end? As all of them, yeah. Aside from Kelsey, Waller, and who else, right? Yeah, and who else? Yeah, that's that's the right answer. And um, I guess that wraps up our NFL preview for this week. Um, we'll be heading over to talk about some basketball next. So uh, thanks again, Terry. No problem. Thank you. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. We're here to talk about some basketball sleepers as well as our reaction to this week's slate of games. I'm joined again by Mete and Terry. Welcome, guys. Well. Um, yeah, let's just hop right into it. Um, we'll, we'll go in alphabetical order. Uh, Mete, you can cover the sleepers from the Eastern teams and, and Terry from the West. I'll start with you, Mete. Uh, from the Atlanta Hawks, uh, who are you looking at as a potential sleeper in fantasy? I had DeAndre Hunter as my sleeper for Atlanta Hawks. Last year, he averaged 12 points a game, two assists, four rebounds. Um, 41% shooting and 35% three-point shooting. So, and that was only his rookie year. So, I think he'll he'll get better. It's my sleeper for the Hawks. Nice. Um, yeah, I had him in fantasy last year, and he was he's a pretty good player. Um, let's just hop right on uh, Boston Celtics. Who do you who are you looking at? My sleeper for the Celtics this year was Jeff Teague. He's been in the league for a while now, and with Kemba being out for a while, he's gonna get a lot of minutes, I think. His career averages are 13 points a game, three rebounds, six assists. So he's a pretty solid veteran that you can rely on at the guard position. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, I know Brooklyn's a pretty deep team, but is there anyone you're looking at as maybe a sleeper? Yeah, um, Karis Lover, I'm really high on. He was a big piece for them last year. He was starting for them and he averaged 19 points, four rebounds, four assists. And this year, he'll be moved to the six-man role, but that might benefit him, actually, so he could get better looks with the second unit. He could lead yeah, them. he won't be in the, the prime rotation, so he might, he might have bench guys guarding him, so then he could, you know, have an improvement. Um, what, what about from uh, the Charlotte Hornets? Who do you like? The Hornets, I had P.J. Washington. He's also, he was also a rookie last year, so he averaged 12 points a night, five rebounds, and two assists on 45% field goal and 37% shooting. So he's their starting power forward, I believe, and yeah, I think he'll have a good year as well. Yeah, I think that whole Charlotte team is bound to get better after last season. Um, moving on, uh, the Chicago Bulls, uh, Mate, who do you like there? I picked the fourth overall pick from this past draft, Patrick Williams, as my sleeper out of Florida State for the Chicago Bulls. His college numbers weren't too impressive. I looked at it. It was only nine points a game, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. But he's been starting the last couple of games over Otto Porter, so... I like that, and I think he has good potential. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, what about Cleveland? Who do you like there? 
I also picked the rookie from Cleveland, fifth overall pick from last year, Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. He had 13 points a night, four rebounds a game, and two assists per night for Auburn last year. And he's also been starting for the Cavaliers, so he's got good potential as well. All right, uh, let me hop over to Terry here, talking about a Western team. What do you like from the Dallas Mavericks? Yeah, absolutely. For me, uh, for the Mavericks, is probably Josh Green. The guy is 6'6", 210 out of Arizona U. Um, he's a one-and-done rookie that averaged, I believe, around 12 points, four and a half rebounds, and two assists, while scoring off like probably 42% from the field. If an injury happens to the starting five, I guarantee you Green's one of the starters. So we're going to like convince that one of those guys on the wings probably had it. Um, due to his versatility on the defensive side, I feel like it will help him out with the defensive stats, whether it be blocks or steals. And then the transition game that he had in Arizona, U just going coast to coast. I feel like you're going to see a couple of easy blocks. He gets some easy assists as well. Um, only negative I can say is it's probably his streak shooting. So keep an eye out for him this fantasy year. All right. Sounds good. Um, uh, I'll go right back to you, Terry. Uh, what about the Denver Nuggets? Denver Nuggets, um, you got the obvious one, Michael Porter Jr. But if you're looking outside the top 100, I probably got to go with Bobo. Um, in his rookie season, well, since that got out of the way, probably five points that year. Um, and then you have the NBA bubble where he did turn some lines. Um, it's going to be a matter of time where he's going to be the first big off the uh, Nuggets bench. With Millsap being 36 and Jermichael Green being 30, uh, it's only a matter of time for the kid to get his minutes. The only negative he could probably bring up is possibly his weight at his height, 7'2", and then it's 230. But with the lanky build, I feel like he could be a great power forward in this league. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me ba- let me bounce to Mete. Uh, what about Detroit Pistons? Who do you like? For Detroit, I have another rookie, Killian Hayes. He played last year in Germany, so he's already played professional basketball against grown men, which is a positive, I think. Mm-hmm. He averaged 13 points, six assists on 39% three-point shooting, which is pretty good. So, And he's already the starter for point guard for the Detroit Pistons. So I think he's a sleeper to keep your eye on. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, Terry, I'll go right back to you. Um, the Golden State Warriors, who do you like from this team? Sleeper pick. One guy that stands out and surprising me outside the top 100 is probably James Wiseman. 7-1-2 out of Memphis. Yes, his time was short in college, but that doesn't mean you forget what this guy brings to the court, right? This guy is probably one of the best interior defense uh, centers that we've seen in recent drafts. And he has the tools to become one of the best big men in this league. Um, only negative you can say about Wiseman's game is probably shooting. And like what's going on at center in Golden State. You got Marquis Chris and you also got Kevon Moon. All the men are going to be rotating around until one of these guys breaks out. Yeah, for sure. I think he should be a big part of that rotation right away. Um, Terry, let's move to Houston. Who do you like here as a sleeper pick? Uh, for Houston, if Christian Wood was outside the top 100, I wouldn't give it to him. But he's 
being taken really early in some drafts this year. I believe some are reaching for him in probably the third, maybe even fourth round. Um, aside from Christian Wood, I probably go with Demarcus Cousins. Um, don't forget how dominant this guy used to be, probably in the earlier 2010s. Um, this year for Cousins, it's just going to be about health. So yeah. when healthy, expect double doubles coming from the former Kentucky big man. Only problem, as I said, the health of Boogie on top of Christian Wood playing. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely agree with that. I, I've had Cousins many years in fantasy, and I've gotten great results from him. Um, Mete, let's move on. Let's go to the Pacers. Who do you like? The Pacers, I have Aaron Holiday. And I believe he's either in his second or third year, so he's a young player as well. He averaged nine points a game last year, three assists, two rebounds. And the only problem I have with Aaron Holiday is he's in a crowded backcourt kind of, so he might not be getting the minutes he needs every night. Yeah. Isn't his brother there? Yeah. Justin Holiday is also yeah, I think Aaron Holiday might be a little more valuable than Justin in terms of fantasy potential. I think with Justin, you kind of know what you're going to get. But with Aaron, I feel like that there there might be a bit more there, like you said, just depending on the minutes. Um, yeah. Terry, let me hop to you about the LA Clippers. Who do you like as a sleeper? Oh, LA Clippers, on the other hand, Jesus, I have to look up and down the roster. And honestly, it's probably one of the guys that had a poor couple of years. I gotta go with Nicholas Batum. Um, as for some of these guys I mentioned at the start of the list, if the Clippers do get injured, um, expect Batum to pick up extra minutes. He won't wow you with the points, but expect him to grab like the other categories like rebounds, assists, steals. Fill out the stat line on a nightly basis, but the only negative, if you are looking for points, look elsewhere. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, they have been starting Batum at the four uh, recently. So I, I think that if he is a projected starter going forward, I think he's definitely a player to look at. Um, let's jump to the Lakers, Terry. Who do you like from there? Uh, look up and down the Lakers and you see nothing but bets. So looking for a breakout player is going to be kind of hard. I would have went with uh, Horton Tucker on this, but I feel like the rotation, he's only going to be involved in a rotation when the injury happens, and you might need to temper your expectations. Another guy I would go with is Dennis Schroeder. Um, whether he comes off the bench or he's in the starting lineup, expect Schroeder to get a lot of opportunities with the ball, just due to, as I said, all the bets on the team. And them coming off a championship, they probably only had, what, 75 days rest, maybe three months, if anything. Yeah, for sure. Um... And as well, you got LeBron and AD probably going to be resting for the playoffs. So expect Shorter to come in and probably get you those points that you expect LeBron or AD to get instead. Um, downside for Shorter, though, it's a full team of like established players over in uh, the other side of the LA locker room. So just temper your expectations if you're expecting, I don't know, maybe a top five round guy. All right. Um... Let, let's jump to the next team. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, they got a lot of young players. Who, who are you liking as a sleeper here? Um, I would have wanted Dylan Brooks, but honestly, I just see him as score. Um, the best thing that he could probably improve in is his shooting percentages. But I got to go with Brandon Clark. 
Um, guys like Winslow and Jared Jackson Jr. missing the start of the season just due to injury. It's going to be time for former Gonzaga forward to make a leap in production. Um, the Grizzly front court now just looks like who Kyle Anderson and Jonas Valanciunas. So there's not that much in the way of depth when it comes to the Grizzlies. And hopefully Brandon Clark becomes that answer for the Memphis Grizzlies. Only negative, probably it's if he wants to become a starter, he needs to improve on his three-point shooting more consistently. All right. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I'll hop to you, Mete. Uh, what about Miami Heat? Who do you like? I have Kendrick Nunn, and I'm actually very surprised that he's, like, fallen off the face of the earth because he hasn't been playing as much recently. Um, we know what he did last year. He averaged 15 points a game, three assists, three rebounds, 44% field goal shooting, and 35% three-point shooting. So he was, like, a top three rookie of the year candidate, and near the bubble and end of the season, Spolster just – stop playing him as much so it's because they do have a crowded backcourt but I think Nunn is very underappreciated so I think he needs the minutes and he can show you what he can do again yeah for sure I, I agree with that as well um Mete what about Milwaukee what's going on there for you for Milwaukee I picked Dante DiVincenzo I think he's going to be there starting two or three now and He's kind of a versatile player. He averaged nine points, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, shot 45% from the field. So I think he's due for a breakout year since he'll be getting more minutes now that he can be a starter. Yeah, for sure. Um, Terry, let me hop to you uh, about uh, Minnesota. Who do you like from there? I'm really interested down in Minnesota. is probably your power forward. It has to be one Hernan Gomez. By the time Cat was out for the T-Wolves last year, I think Hernan Gomez was averaging around probably 13 points, around seven rebounds, give or take around 40% shooting from the three-point arc. So when Cat is fully healthy, tempered the expectations on one Hernan Gomez, uh, as well as the addition to Ed Davis in the offseason, they both will bite into – take a bite out of um, – one's playing time, as well as his defensive liability on the other side of the court. That's what I got to say about one. All right. I think uh, we can agree with that. Um, well, what about the New Orleans Pelicans? What do you like about them? New Orleans Pelicans, I would have went with Josh Hart. But, I mean, it's been four years of getting over, what, 25 minutes a game. And then you would expect a little improvement, but I don't know. I probably got to go with Jackson and Hayes on this one here. Um, just with the youth movement going down in uh, the Pelicans organization, I would go with Jackson and Hayes over Stephen Adams later into the season, just in case Adams isn't fitting the mold that <clears throat> they wanted down in New Orleans. Yeah. Aside from that, um, Jackson Hayes is probably, you could easily say he's kind of like Stephen Adams 2.0, if anything. Um, that's all I got to say about Hayes, to be honest with you. All right. Um, Mete, uh, what about the New York Knicks? Anyone you like from there as a sleeper? Yeah, I have RJ Barrett. Um, he did great in his rookie year as well, I think. 14 points, 
five rebounds a game, three assists. And the only issue with him is his efficiency needs to get better. He only shot 40% from the field last year and 32 from three. So if he improves his efficiency, look out. This guy's going to be a monster. Yeah, I'm actually surprised that a lot of people are sleeping on R.J. Barrett. Uh, I saw where he was going in drafts this year, and I was actually pretty surprised that people didn't want to take a flyer on him just because he played for the Knicks, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think he's definitely a guy that you might be able to grab, like you said, outside the top 100 and, and get a good value out of. Um, Terry, let's look at OKC. Uh, who do you like from the Thunder? Jesus, that's pretty tough. I mean, the whole entire team just got traded this offseason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, answer would be SGA at point guard, but um, he's probably going to be in the top 50 just at this rate. Um, mm-hmm. Outside of that, I probably would have to go with Lou Dort. Um, last year, he was picking it up near the end of the year uh, before, I believe, the pandemic started. So probably got to go with Lou Dort at shooting guard. All right. Um, Mete, let's go to you. Um, Orlando Magic, who do you like from this team? I have the rookie Cole Anthony, 16th pick from North Carolina. He averaged 19 points a game at North Carolina, six rebounds, four assists. So the issues I have with him is the minutes. Is he going to get them? Because there's Michael Carter-Williams ahead of him. And um, his efficiency wasn't too good as well. He shot 38% field goal and 35% from the three-point line. So needs to work on the efficiency. Yeah, for sure. Um, what about Philly? Uh, who do you like from the 76ers? I have Shake Milton, and they confirmed that he will be their sixth man this year. Last year when Simmons was guarding hurt, Shake Milton would be starting in his place, and he would pop off. He has like a 40-point game, I believe, something like that. And he's... He's a solid player, I think. He averaged nine points, three assists, two rebounds last year on 48% field goal and 43% three-point. So he's very efficient, which I like. Yeah, those are very efficient stats. Um, Terry, what about Phoenix? I know they upgraded their team this year. Who do you like as a sleeper? Sleeper, probably got to go with... I want to see Michael Bridges if he's still outside the top 100. Um, even though he doesn't wow you on the stat line as much, I feel like with the addition of Chris Paul, he'll unlock something in Mikel Bridges' game that uh, he didn't have last year. I mean, he's athletic. He can clock the passing lanes when he wants to. Again, you will have the occasional block or two game as well. But um, I probably got to go with Bridges on this one, man. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he seems like a great player. Um, moving on to Portland, uh, who are you liking from the Blazers? Probably got to be the acquisition this year. It was Derek Jones Jr. I feel like he's going to beat out Rodney Hood for the small forward position, as well as anyone else who's probably got their hat in for it. Um, aside from him stealing the dunk contest from Aaron Gordon, I mean, I feel like he'll fit in just well with the Blazers, Blazers organization. Yeah, for sure. Um, what what about Sacramento? Who do you like on the Kings? Down in Sacramento now, um, gotta be their draft pick from this year, Tyrese Halliburton. 
he was projected to go within the top 10 and somehow he fell to what? Uh, the 12th overall pick, give or take. Um, he's a perfect combo guard for the Sacramento Kings, just in case uh, the Aaron Fox needs to get some rest. And he can fit in that too easily anytime Buddy Hill gets tight. Aside from that, I feel like he's going to be the sleeper on Sacramento outside of the top 100. Yeah, I could see that uh, happening. A lot of people sleeping on him. Um, what about the the Spurs? I know both you and I are are pretty big fans of the Spurs. Uh, who do you like here as a sleeper? It's like getting the candy store. I mean, just a decade ago, this used to be a veteran team, and now we're in a youth movement. Um, you got guys like Derek White that could possibly go off, but he's in, out inside the top 100. Um, then you got guys like Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson. Um, let's focus on Keldon Johnson, if anything. Um, the guy was, I believe, a ACC freshman of the year in his draft year. And last year in the G League, he was averaging over 20 points and probably five rebounds a game. When it came to the bubble, he was turning a lot of eyes, I'm telling you. Um, some coaches were saying how he was the best player on the court for the Spurs at times when the Rosen was off. And on top of that, he can play a power forward position as well as a small forward position on a, any given night. I think he's probably around 6'6", six, six, 230, give or take. Not a thousand percent sure about his physicals, but he's sitting around there. Um, but as far as just moving to a small ball lineup, expect Aldridge to move into the center position, which opens up uh, playing time for either Rudy Gay or Keldon Johnson to move in for some power forward minutes. So keep an eye on that over in San Antonio. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mete, let's go to you. You're a big Raptors fan. Who are you liking outside the top 100 for the Raptors? So I had Chris Boucher, but he was ranked 99, so I moved him out. I put in Aaron Baines instead. Um, he's going to be our starting center this year. He averaged 12 points a game, two assists, six rebounds last year. And while he was filling in for DeAndre Ayton, like when he had to start for him, he had – like a lot of good games, actually. I think he had a game where he hit nine three-pointers and then a triple-double game. So yeah, he had some big games. Yeah. yeah, I'm high on Aaron Baines this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he he had that stretch there where he just uh, really um, impressed a lot of fantasy owners that found him on the waiver wire there. Um, and even with Aiton, he did have some value. So even if Boucher, I guess, does take over the starting job, do you think he's still someone you can rely on? Yeah. All right. Um, let, let's go to you, Terry, with Utah. Who do you like from the Jazz? For Utah, there's a lot of names that you probably don't know. Um, probably got to go with the safe bet on it. Probably Joe Ingles. Um, he can do pretty much anything on court. Um, get you some good percentages. He can get you the points on a off night. He'll get you the assists. He'll get you a handful of rebounds. Um, He's probably a guy that uh, fell down in the draft just due to the fact um, all these guys are making leaps. But he is one of the safer bets outside the top 100. Yeah, for sure. Um, and we'll finish it off with you, Mete. Uh, the Washington Wizards, who do you like from this team as a sleeper? A sleeper for the Wizards, I have Rui Hachimura. He's a sophomore. He uh, averaged 14 points. 
two assists, six rebounds last year on 47% field goal. So that's pretty good. But his three-point percentage was 29% last year. So I think he needs to work on a three-point shooting this year. But other than that, you think he can help out in other categories? Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Um, after these uh, sleeper picks, I just want to get your opinion on the, the first couple days of basketball and maybe give me a couple uh, waiver wire pickups that you might be interested in. Um, well, I'll, I'll just start that um, I, I was impressed with, with a lot of teams. Um, I was impressed with the Pelicans. I was impressed with the Clippers. I was impressed with the Spurs. Uh, those, those are just a few teams that I was really impressed with. And, and then there, there were a few teams like Milwaukee, like how, how they, they lost off of a missed free throw. And, um, you know, some other teams like Mete, your Raptors didn't look as good uh, this week. But um, in terms of uh, a waiver wire pickups, I, I wanted to go to the, the two guys that, that you mentioned from the Spurs, uh, both uh, Walker and um, Johnson. And um, I, I, I like both of them. I think that they both eventually find their way into this starting lineup this this season. I think, I think they're they're ready. Yeah, I think they're ready to make that push. Uh, it, it, and it is possible with some of the names that that have been moved out, like Forbes and others. And and I think that um, if you take a flyer on them, they might, you know, be bench players uh, for now. But I, I think after what we saw, uh, I, I think they definitely get get looks. Uh, at, at a starting position for this team. So temper your expectations at the beginning with them, but both Walker and Johnson should be good uh, pickups, uh, even for your bench. Uh, Terry, let me hop to you. Uh, what, what did you like so far? First couple of days of NBA and any pickups that you like? Uh, honestly, something that surprised me the most was like, it probably might surprise some people. It might not surprise others, but it has to be how the Nets dismantled the Warriors on opening. I believe it was opening night. Yeah. What was it? 99 to 102, give or take. And I was just should score. But um, I think they won by more than that for sure. Geez. It was a pretty. It was a pretty big win. Yeah. It was lopsided when you think about it. Um, but that honestly shows you how valuable Clay Thompson is to this uh, Golden State Warriors team. Um, he's basically the best primary defender, and he just like. How should I put it? You put him in a corner, and then you have to put the defender on him no matter what. Don't give him any space, and then just make it a four-on-four game for seven career and the rest of the team. Um, aside from that, we already figured out that Kevin Durant is still Kevin Durant. Some people may say he's a little bit slower. He's probably at 85%, maybe 90, give or take. Um, Kyrie Irving does Kyrie Irving things. On top of... Uh, what else was happening opening night? We had the Battle of LA, correct? Yep. Um, nothing is uh, safe from that. I mean, the Clippers will always try to outdo their older brothers, no matter what day of the week it is. But we all got to worry about what Paul George does during the playoffs, right? Um, because yeah. honestly, I mean, don't get me wrong. Paul George is one of the better players in the league, but if he's not converting that into that into the playoffs, I don't know what to say. Um, people I might be interested in on the waiver, if you're really desperate, 
at center, especially if you're in probably, I don't know, 14 men league, give or take. Go with Enos Canton, maybe even Bismack Biambu. Um, Guys that probably popped out, as you mentioned earlier, Lonnie Walker and Keldon Johnson. Um, aside from that, I can't really think of any other guys that would probably uh, pop out on Wigmore at this moment. All right, Matt, let me go to you. Any thoughts so far on the season and maybe some waiver wire pickups? Um, so my thoughts on the – I'll talk about more of the games that happened on Wednesday since you guys covered opening night. Um, I was impressed with the Magic. They beat the Eastern Conference champions Miami Heat. That's a big win for them. And the overtime thriller with Sacramento and Denver was a big game too. That impressed me. Sacramento, uh, they caused a lot of turnovers at the end to win the game and mm-hmm. be stuck in there. And for my pickups, I was going to say Biombo, um In this 14-man league I'm in, I see Batum is a free agent. Says 6% owned. Right now, he's the starter because yeah, Morris right is out. Yeah, so yeah. he could be a pickup. I'm seeing uh, Danny Avidia, the starting shooting guard or small forward for the Wizards, I think. And then I see also Isaac Okoro, who was talking about the rookie from Cleveland. I think he should be picked up too. All right, that sounds good. Thanks, guys, for your time. That's going to be the end of our, our basketball sleeper preview. And we'll move right on to the hockey preview where we preview the North Division for this season. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, uh, welcome back to the hockey segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nathan, and this is our hockey expert, James Kumar. Hey, what's up, bro? So, So I heard that they finalized the NHL divisions. Yeah, so for this season, uh, they finalized the divisions. The Canadian teams will be put in the North Division. Um, the East Division that we previewed last week is actually staying the same with all the teams in it. But the Central and West Divisions are different than we projected. Uh, Minnesota will actually be in the West Division in, in the current setup, and Dallas will be in the Central Division. So that's kind of where things have swapped from our projections. Okay, okay. So I guess we can start with the North Division first, and I guess we'll look at the Calgary Flames. And uh, who are you feeling on that team? Um, Yeah, so for uh, the top fantasy players on that team, uh, uh, even though he had a rough season, I believe Johnny Gaudreau can bounce back. He is their most talented forward. Um, Offensively, uh, he... Uh, two years ago, I believe he had uh, 99 points. He was top five scorer in the league and he since then has dropped, but I believe that he can have a bounce back season this year. Also his uh, center, Sean Monaghan can also, uh, I believe bounce back uh, being in this Canadian division and uh, right wing mate uh, Elias Lindholm. I believe that entire top line can be effective for Calgary this year and contribute for you in fantasy. 
Uh, their top player in fantasy last year was uh, left winger Matthew Kachuk. Uh, he contributed for every category. He gave you goals, assists, points on the power play, uh, plus minus, hits, shots, everything. This guy could do it all. He was a, a top uh, I, I believe he was a top 40 player last year, and he definitely is the, should be the first Calgary Flame off the board for you. Um, de, uh, some defense th that you might be looking at from Calgary, uh, Mark Giordano. Um, I mean, he's up there in age, but he he plays on the power play, and he can always be um, uh, like he can, he can always account for a lot of goals, assists, hits, plus minus, all that. All right, so what are some sleeper picks on Calgary that you think people should pick up if they have them? Um, I'm actually looking a little further down the board. I was going through NHL.com's top 250, and this this guy was not in the top 250, so this is a very deep sleeper. It's actually Sam Bennett, and um, recently he had been elevated to a, a top power play spot, and that just improves his fantasy value because he contributed in uh, goals, assists, uh, shots and hits but now you know potentially this season jumping on the top power play can contribute in power play points also and um as a deep sleeper um some people still think that sam bennett has room to grow offensively and i believe that he can take a step forward this season so if you take a flyer on him and maybe one of the last couple of rounds of the draft you, you you might be surprised at the value you can get out of him all right that sounds good so uh, what about some goalies that you think people should look out for on this team? Um, I think that uh, Jacob Markstrom is the clear-cut starter since coming from Vancouver. They sent him to a long-term contract. They want him to be the, the the goalie on this team. But I think that um, David Riddick will be getting uh, some, some of the starts, especially in a, sh a condensed season that we're going to have this year. Uh, I, I believe that Riddick will... Uh, get some starts but I don't know how fantasy relevant he'll be but uh, Jacob Markstrom is definitely a goal you can be looking at if you need uh, wins good averages and uh, definitely he'll throw in some shutouts here and there okay so it looks like you would want to start uh, Jacob most of the time and just oh, yeah. kind of have David off your bench um, I guess uh, David Riddick, uh, if you need a third goalie and, you know, you, you maybe didn't draft one early enough in the last couple of rounds, you can maybe take a flyer on him in case there's an injury, anything like that. But Markstrom's the way to go. All right. So it looks like uh, Calgary has some pretty good players. Oh, yeah. Cal Calgary's going to be solid this year. I guess you could say they're going to be fire this year. Or you could say that, yeah. <laughs> All right, so next we have the Edmonton Oilers, and uh, who do you think people should pick up? Oh, yeah, um, Connor McDavid should be going first overall in fantasy drafts this year. He's just so talented of a player. I know there's been debates over maybe taking Nathan McKinnon from Colorado over him, but his offensive upside is just next level. He can go on scoring paces that I believe no one else in the NHL can go on. So if you have the first overall pick in your draft coming from the hockey expert at fantasy fanatics podcast, you need to draft Connor McDavid. Don't even just take my word for it. He's the guy to go for. And um, his, his uh, fellow center, uh, Leon Dreisaitl, he won the the scoring, the Art Ross Trophy last year, and he won the MVP of the NHL last year. So two fantastic guys that if you're if you're picking anywhere in the top five overall in the first round, 
uh, those two guys are fantastic picks no matter where you are. And if Dreisaitl somehow falls outside the top five, you need to pick him right away. He will return value in all, almost all categories. Um, let, me, let me keep going with some of their other offensive talent. Uh, Kyrie Yamamoto broke out last year, and he's projected to either be on the top line with Connor McDavid or on the second line with Leon Dreisaitl. So exposure to any of those top-end talents will put Yamamoto in elite conversation as well as um, a fellow uh, winger uh, or center. He can play uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins um, being on the top power play with these two fantasy studs in McDavid and Dreisaitl is just prime exposure. And um, on the blue line, um, I know Oscar Clefbaum is out for the season. He was uh, the number one defenseman on their power play, but they since brought in Tyson Berry from Toronto this summer and uh, he should slot in right on the top power play and have prime exposure to all of these top end offensive talents. And I believe that he'll be the top scoring defenseman for this team. All right. That sounds pretty good. So it looks like you got the James Kumar guarantee, especially yeah. on Connor, Connor McDavid, McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl. Let's go. All right. You heard it here first. So let's get some sleeper picks on this team. Oh, yeah. A, a definite sleeper pick is Jesse Pugliarvi. Uh, he was in Europe last year over a contract dispute with the Oilers, but he's back and his offensive upside is just starting to peak. I believe that if he's put in uh, either on Connor McDavid's line or Leon Dreisaitl's line, like he could, like you might even be able to get him in the last couple rounds of the draft. Uh, maybe maybe third last round whatever you could take a flyer on him and you know just throw him into your lineup he might even become a an every week uh pencil right into your lineup like you, you might be able to just start him and not even worry about him that's how that's how good of a player he could project to be so he's definitely a sleeper i'd look at on the oilers all right sounds good so uh what about the goalies on this team um i'd say out of the entire canadian north division I'd say the Edmonton Oilers have the weakest goaltending uh, tandem. Uh, Mike Smith and Mikko Koskinen. I mean, they they were decent goalies this past season, but they just couldn't get it done in the playoffs. So, I mean, if you are going to take a flyer on one of them, um, Mike Smith's a lot older, so I don't know how much I trust him. Koskinen isn't that much younger, but um, he hasn't been in the NHL for that long. So he might have some room to grow. So uh, I'd say if you... If you're really desperate, you could take Mike Smith as maybe a third goalie. But if you really want to go with the safer option, I'd, I'd play with Koskinen for sure. All right. So it looks like uh, most people are going to try to look for other goalies before they look at an Edmonton goalie this year. Oh, yeah. There, there's plenty of other teams to, to go for. Yeah. All right. So next we have the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, who do you like on this team? Oh, yeah, this team is, is primed with a lot of young talent, uh, talented young center Nick Suzuki. Um, we, we saw what he could do in the playoffs last year, how he just went to another level. And I believe he'll continue to grow in, into that top center role for Montreal this coming season. He's definitely one of the top players you can take. Also, um, longtime Montreal Canadiens right winger Brendan Gallagher. Uh, he's he's one of the best hitters. I'd say he's the best hitter on Montreal, fantasy wise. Um, he he's on the top power play. He a lot of times he'll he'll score thirty goals or close to it and be the top goal scorer on the team. Um, he he's just a very safe option coming from Montreal. He might even be safer than Suzuki actually. Um, uh, I'd say also that uh, 
guys like uh, Tyler Toffoli coming in from Vancouver um, and also Thomas Tatar, who was Montreal's top scorer last year, points wise, they can also be uh, a pretty good mid round options that, that you can take from, from the Montreal Canadiens. Um, in terms of defense, I'd say both Shea Weber and Jeff Petrie are, are solid defensemen fantasy wise. Uh, I, I was kind of going to fade Weber a little bit this season, but uh, when it comes to hits, he's one of those guys that, you know, he'll put like three or four hits on the board some games. And, you know, that, that's just very valuable when it comes to fantasy. And Jeff Petrie's just been a solid, consistent point producer for Montreal. Um, those two guys that if you need defense from Montreal, whether you have top four defensemen in your league, top six defensemen, whatever it is, those two guys are definitely good, good value picks. Sounds good. So what are some people that you think might be overlooked in this team? Oh, you mean like a sleeper pick? Um, I'm actually going to go with um, recently acquired Josh Anderson from the Columbus Blue Jackets. Two years ago, uh, he had a breakout season and he... Uh, he had just almost as many hits as Alex Ovechkin along with it, with his uh, very amazing goal production with Columbus. I know he had a, a shortened year this year because of injury and that led to his departure via trade from Columbus to Montreal. And then Montreal gave him a long-term extension, which means that they really believe in his potential. So I believe that uh, he's going to be put in prime positions to score and he's being drafted. Oh boy. Like in, in the late, the late two hundreds or so like he, he's being drafted in some leagues really low just because people don't people, you know, they, they just kind of fade him or whatever, but he's, he's definitely a player that flies under the radar. And, and it looks like in Montreal, he will be given opportunities, whether it's on the power play, whether it's on the first or second line to score goals. And he has proven in the past that he can score goals and he can cover a lot of fantasy categories and he, I know two years ago, he was a prime waiver wire pickup when someone picked him up and he stayed on that team the whole season. He was, he was just a write in every week. You could just pencil him right into your lineup and he would just produce. So I call him the sleeper from the Montreal Canadiens. Well, sounds like that's a big sleep people are taking on him. Oh yeah. All right. So what are some goalies that you like on the Canadiens? Okay, so here's the goaltending situation. We know how good Carey Price is. We know what he can do in the league. Uh, uh, he um, Players all over the league acknowledge what a great goaltender he is. And we know that if you draft him in fantasy, he's a very safe goaltender. No, whether Montreal's a good team or a bad team, he always puts up good numbers. But now they just acquired Jake Allen from St. Louis to be his backup. And I feel like that this will take the pressure off Carey Price and you know give him a bit more rest and so on. So... I think uh, Price should be going among the top 10 goaltenders in the league, fantasy-wise. Um, but Jake Allen might be a good third goalie if you're looking for, you know, someone to just keep on your bench behind your, your two starting goalies. Um, uh, Jake Allen will definitely be getting an, enough, uh, a, a good amount of starts this year in a, in a short and condensed schedule. And I think that uh, Jake Allen, uh, with how much this team has uh, improved defensively here in Montreal, I think that he can definitely produce for you for fantasy. Sounds good. It looks like the Canadians are a fairly deep team this year. Yeah, they definitely improved their depth. That's a that's a good word to use for Montreal. All right. So next we're going to go to the Ottawa Senators. So who do you like on this team? 
Um, I, it's tough to find a lot of top players for this team since uh, we can kind of expect them not to be one of the best teams this year as as they haven't been for the past couple of years. But there still are some very good fantasy options. Um, I, I think that Brady Kachuk can be a top 50 fantasy player in, in the NHL. And the reason why is because of the fact that he has been like solid all the way through all categories besides plus minus. And I know some people are just like scared of taking a player that plays for a bad team because, oh, he's going to ruin my plus minus or whatever. But if he can contribute solid in all the other categories, I think that uh, you can just punt plus minus on him. And he does. He gets goals. He gets assists, chips in on the power play, loads of hits, loads of shots. He is Ottawa's top offensive player. And they actually added a line mate for him, Evgeny Dadanov from Florida, uh, who, who's going to slide in there. At least he should slide in there on the top line on the right wing. And I believe that uh, Dadanov is going to be that guy to, to may, maybe help uh, Brady Kachuk go to that next level offensively since Kachuk is still very young. Um, on the blue line, Thomas Shabbat, that guy's an engine. Um, he's, he, I mean, he's young, but he he plays like such an experienced player already. Um, it, he'll, he'll chip in in most categories outside of plus minus. So I think in terms of defense, uh, Thomas Shabbat, he's definitely a player that you can look at. Sounds pretty good. So it seems like uh, with this team, it's they might not have the best plus minus, but they'll give you a lot in other categories. Yeah, that's kind of what you look for with with lower end teams. You look for the kind of players on their team that will sort of, you know, give you the bang for your buck, you know? All right. So what are some sleeper picks that you have on this team? Um, actually, it, I don't know how much of a sleeper this is, but I'm going to go with third overall pick in this year's draft, Tim Stutzel. I actually think that um, he could, by the end of the season, become the number one center on this team, centering both Brady Kachuk and Dadanov on the top line. And if he does, um, where he's being drafted right now, he's being drafted in, in pretty late rounds in fantasy. And if he's being drafted there, he can return potentially top 100 value, uh, depending on how he does as a rookie. And if he does win rookie of the year, he should definitely be a top 100 fantasy player. So he's definitely a sleeper that you could look at that a lot of people are sleeping on. Top 100 for rookie. That's impressive. Yeah, that would be amazing. All right. So what about the goalies on this team? Um, Ottawa just acquired Matt Murray, a longtime Pittsburgh Penguin. He won two Stanley Cups as Pittsburgh's goalie. And um, I know he struggled the past couple of years, which is le which led to his departure. But I think he should be a solid goalie for Ottawa. I, I believe his ceiling is capped, though, when it comes to wins, when it comes to shutouts. Um, he should have a decent average behind that that defense core it might be tough for him so I guess when you draft him he won't be going in your top 20 goalies um, but I believe that you know if you have him as like a, a, a maybe a third goalie or something you know he's going to get the starts because th there's no one really behind him they haven't really decided on who's going to be the backup goalie whether it's going to be Nilsson whether it's going to be someone else so it's just Matt Murray and it's just Matt Murray for the Ottawa Senators so um, you might be able to roll him in as a, as a third option on your team. And, you know, you'd have to temper your expectations, but he should still be able to produce a little bit. All right. So it sounds like with the Ottawa Senators, you're going to want to look for the other players. And for Matt Murray, you might not uh, want to pick him up right away. 
Yeah, I think that you definitely have to temper your expectations there. Sounds good. And now we're going to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So uh, who is your favorite players on this team? Well, you know that the the Leafs are my favorite team. I'm a, a diehard Leafs fan. Go Leafs, go. But yeah, let's analyze this team for fantasy. Um, man, uh, Austin Matthews, uh, he he passed 40 goals last season. And I think that's that's just the stepping stone to the next step you know uh in this shortened season if he got to 40 goals that would be amazing uh it's very hard to even do that in an 82 game season if he did that in a 56 game season i mean that would be the next level so i i do think austin matthews is the best offensive player on this team um also for forward uh captain john Tavares, um forward mitch marner and uh winger uh william nylander uh, those guys are all amazing options uh, up front for Toronto. Toronto, I'd say, is the deepest offensive team in this division. So if you want offense and you want offense, just roll with the Leafs. Uh, Matthews should be going in top fives in, in fantasy drafts, top five or top six player. You should, Marner should be a, a second rounder. You might be able to get Tavares in the late second, early third round. And then William Nylander, maybe around the fifth or sixth round, you can roll with any of those guys. They should finish at their value if they're healthy or even higher. Um, when it comes to defense, Morgan Riley, he's been solid for Toronto every season. Um, he'll be on the top power play. He'll be logging top minutes. He always has a good plus minus. Um, and he just, yeah, most categories, you can just roll with him. Gets loads of assists, loads of points. Um you can also lean on Jake Muzzin. He doesn't produce as much point-wise, but he, he's always taking shots. Um, he, he's always uh, dishing out hits. I mean, he'll get some goals here and there, get some points. Uh, Jake Muzzin's another defender from Toronto that you should be able to look to fantasy-wise. Sounds good. So what's your uh, sleeper pick for this team? Um, I could have gone with a rookie, like maybe Sandine or, or Nick Robertson, but I'm actually going to go with uh, Zach Hyman. Uh, he's up often overlooked um, just being sort of the, the gritty guy on, on Austin Matthews's line or, or John Tavares's line. But I mean, it, prime exposure to these top end players that that produces points. Um, Zach Hyman always goes into the boards with other players. He'll get you your hits. Uh, he should have a good plus minus being on that top line. Um, and you know, uh, whether he's not on the top power play, he should even be on the second power play. So he'll, he might chip in a few power play points. Uh, it's just that prime exposure to top end offensive talent that Toronto has that makes Zach Hyman a good sleeper pick in, in fantasy. Sounds good. So it sounds like the overall offense of this team is going to elevate the other players. Yeah, I, I believe that this team has gotten deeper. So, I mean, uh, a lot of times in fantasy, if, if you're struggling, you might be able to find a, uh, maybe even a third line option on Toronto that, that might be able to slide into your fantasy lineup. Sounds good. So what's your thoughts on the goalies on this team? Um, as of right now, um, it's just Freddie Anderson um, getting the bulk of the starts, I think. Um, I know the Leafs uh, acquired Jack Campbell last year and Aaron Dell this year to sort of be the backups. I don't know how much they're going to factor in. I don't think they'll factor in enough for fantasy, but Freddie Anderson should be a top 10 goalie just because of the amount of wins he's going to get. And um, his averages have been have been pretty good over his career, and he'll get, in, he'll get some shutouts as well. So he sounds uh, like a fairly solid goalie then. Oh, yeah. He's been solid. I know he's taken a lot of criticism, but I believe some of it's unfair. He's been very solid.
So I think for this team, you could say it's, again, a very deep team overall. And oh, yeah. if Fantasy you get wise, any yeah. of these players, you'll, I don't think you'll regret it. Oh, yeah. I don't think you'll regret any of these players. Sounds good. So let's go to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, um, let's look at the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, who are you high on in this team? Oh, yeah, they, they had a great playoff run, and it, it showed a lot of the league, the, the young offensive talent that they have. Um, they, this team is young, and, they, and they're primed for greatness. Um, Elias Patterson is just – his ceiling is enormous. Like, he, he could elevate himself as a top-five NHL forward this season. That's the kind of ceiling he has. So he's definitely the top guy that you need to roll with if you're drafting a Vancouver Canuck. He should be going uh, late first round, early second, maybe mid-second round, depending on your league. But he's definitely going to be a top option this year. Um, line mate, Brock Besser. I know he's had some injuries, but he is a goal scorer. And if healthy, he can get uh, a prime amount of goals for you and cover in most categories, as well as team captain Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat actually led the playoffs in goals until his team got eliminated. So he's a prime end goal scorer, uh, chips in on the power play. Uh, he plays a, a very solid physical game as well. So that, that'll help you out in terms of the hits. Um, JT Miller. Um, he, he played wing on Pedersen's line last year and he had a breakout season. I believe he was actually the top scorer for Vancouver last season. So, um, he, he you can definitely account for, for points from him, uh, chipping on the power play, you know, uh, many different category shots as well. And, um, yeah, um, when it comes to defense for this team, Quinn Hughes, uh, in my opinion, should have won rookie of the year. I understand why they gave it to Kale McCarr. But he just he just went to the next level last season. I believe his his ceiling will continue to grow. Uh, he'll be on the top power play. He'll be playing top end minutes for Vancouver on defense. He'll have exposure to all the prime forwards that they have. So with his talent, he'll definitely be able to chip in for you fantasy wise. And I'm also um, gonna take a look at um, um, actually. Well, I'll just I'll just go right into the sleeper because uh, it, he's also a defenseman. Um, Nate Schmidt, they just got from the Vegas Golden Knights. They only spent a third round pick on him. Uh, Vegas was trying to clear their cap space. So they, they only paid a third round pick for him. And he, I believe he's an underrated defenseman. Um, he, he'll, he'll chip in a little bit here and there in all the different categories, especially in hits, especially in shots. The, this guy can really play. And he's always, uh, he's always been a solid defenseman. And I believe that he, he has very good sleeper potential to, to get points for you and, and fill up the categories in fantasy. Wow. So what's your uh, thoughts on the goalies? Okay, the goalies are interesting. So they parted with Jacob Markstrom this summer as he went to Calgary. And they I guess they were impressed with the way Thatcher Demko played in the playoffs. So they're rolling with uh, newly acquired goaltender Braden Holtby as their, um, I, I guess, as their starter going forward. And he'll sort of uh, paved the way for Thatcher Demko to eventually become the the young starting goaltender of this team. So I believe both goalies can be fantasy relevant. I believe Vancouver will be a good team. So I think you definitely draft Holtby a little bit earlier. Maybe you get him in the, the fifth or sixth round in fantasy, depending. So he might be your first or second goalie. And then maybe Demko might be a little bit further down. So he might be like your second or third goalie in fantasy. And I, I believe they can both chip in for you. Um, wins, um, I think average, this, this Canucks team should be good. So they might have good averages, good save percentages. So the both goalies, I think, can be rostered in fantasy this year. Another uh, very solid team in this division, I could say. 
Yeah, this division for the most part is solid and Ottawa could surprise people as well. So this division is solid. Sounds good. So now let's go to the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, who are your top players for this team? Well, this team's loaded on offense. Um, you'll get lots of offense from this team. Uh, Mark Shifley is the most consistently good player that you'll see in the NHL. I believe he averages a point per game. So if it was an 82-game season, a lot of times he would finish with about 82 or 83 points. He's just that solid. Um, he, he usually is the top scorer on this team. You can He's like the set him and forget him type player. So you just set him in your lineup and you don't even need to worry. He'll just produce. Um, yeah, so he, he's great. And um, both Kyle Connor and Patrick Line are young wingers that can just put the puck in the net. And they, they'll, they'll score loads of goals for you. They'll put in goals on the power play. They'll, yeah, they'll contribute in many different categories. I know Line was one of the top um, players in, in terms of shots. So if you're looking for a guy with a lot of shot volume, I, I believe Kyle, Kyle Connor is pretty high there as well. These, these guys can get you good shot volume. So if, if, you're, if you're sort of lacking in players that want to shoot the puck and they're, they're passing a lot more, these guys, when they get the puck, they just let it rip. So they're definitely guys you can count for for shots. Um, I know their captain, Blake Wheeler, is kind of getting up there in age, but he, he's just been solid, solidly consistent. So he's definitely someone that you can look at for production as well as um, uh, fellow uh, uh, second line mate, uh, Nikolai Ehlers. I know he's sometimes inconsistent, but with exposure to guys like Wheeler and Line and, and Shifley, especially on the power play, I think that he can produce for you. Um, in terms of defense, the best offensive defenseman they have is uh, Neil Pionk. And um, he just improved a lot since he came from the Rangers last year. And I believe he'll continue to grow uh, with the Jets. Um, and that, that's sort of the segue into my sleeper pick. I think that uh, the top defenseman on the Jets is Josh Morrissey. And I think he will be a sneaky sleeper pick for fantasy. The reason I say this is that um, when people think of Morrissey, they don't always think of offense. They think more of a, a good, solid defensive defenseman. But I, I think that with his uh, uh, potential power play exposure, whether it's on the first power play, second power play, whether they give that to Pionk or to Morrissey, I think that he still can produce for you in fantasy. So if you're maybe you didn't draft enough defensemen near the beginning of the draft, and then you're like, oh, no, uh, who, who can I get? Um, I think Morrissey is definitely a guy you can grab further down that might give you a little bit of uh, of, of a good uh, a floor for fantasy. So I think you, you should be able to roll him in. That sounds good. So I guess if you have, uh, if you, if you're missing some players and you get uh, Morrissey, I guess we could recommend that you take him if you can. Yeah, I think he's definitely that guy. Like if you have three solid defensemen and you want a fourth guy to kind of round it off to, you know, have a good defense uh, core for your team, Morrissey is definitely a guy I could recommend. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. So what's your thoughts on the goalies on this team? Well, I mean, Connor Hellebuck uh, won the Vezina Trophy for goalie of the year last year. That's that's the best you can get in the league. I mean, he last year he was the best goalie in the league. Um, I know it's going to be tough for him to replicate that, that, that success that he had, but I mean, he's still the best goalie in, in the league um, or at least a top three goalie. Like he should be going in, in your top five goalies in fantasy this year. No questions asked. Um, in terms of a backup, there's not really a solid option, I'd say, for the Jets. So I think they're going to roll with Hellebuck as much as they can. So it, he'll definitely be getting lots of starts. You should get wins from him, good averages, lots of shutouts. He should be a very good option in net. 
sounds like this is like basically a like almost like a perfect fantasy goalie pretty much i think that with the way he's improved i think he definitely is that kind of guy so this is like basically all the team all the teams here have like really good players so it sounds like uh if you have any players from this division uh you're not gonna regret it yeah i think this division has the potential to be very high scoring so there there is a chance that goalies might suffer a little bit in the, this division but there are a lot of solid goalies in this division as well so it could kind of go either way but with the high-end offensive talent in this division it's going to be interesting to see what happens this year in fantasy when it comes to players from this division I also noticed that uh, this division is a bit short, like one team. So I was thinking, oh, I was wondering, um, how would you think that this affects the uh, the the entire division? Um, yeah, um, there's 31 teams in the league, so one division had to have seven teams, and it ended up being the Canadian division because there's only seven Canadian teams, and. Um, I think the only thing that it, it affects is it'll, it'll just mean that these teams play each other more often than teams in other divisions. For a 56-game season, uh, teams would play each other uh, eight times because you'd play the seven, player, the seven teams in your division eight times. But in this division, you'll be playing teams nine or ten times. So I think more rivalries will develop in this division and it'll just be good for hockey because the Canadian viewership is just going to skyrocket when Canadian teams are playing each other every night. Sounds good. So sounds like there's going to be a fierce competition in this division. Yeah, like I said last week, uh, I, I did project Toronto as the top team in this division, but I'd say anyone from one to six, um, excluding the Ottawa Senators, in my opinion, does have a chance at, at winning this division. Um, uh, Toronto definitely looks like the top team to me, but it could be any one of those top six. Wow. So I think that that's pretty much our preview of this uh, division for this season. Mm -hmm. Welcome to the Fantasy Fanatics Injury Report. I'm joined once again by Sheridan College AT, Victoria Kumar. Victoria, welcome. Hi. Um, let's just jump right into it. Uh, let's start with the NFL. There's a lot of injuries going on. Um, Julio Jones, will we see him on the field this week's game? Um, so I'm just going to go through all the injuries that I talked about last week and kind of just updates on all the players. Um, so we're going to start off with Julio Jones. He's been out with this hamstring injury off and off on again all season like I mentioned last week today in practice he did only sideline work with the trainers he did not participate on the field so seeing this it doesn't look like he's going to be playing this Sunday it's only a few more days if anything like if he does play it'll be a game time decision and again you're looking at that limited time on the field so if you're trying to start him don't know if it's the wisest move he may not get you the most points uh, then moving on to Damian Harris, um, I talked about him last week. He seems to have injured his ankle in that bump that he went through. Um, he didn't play in week 15. There's not a lot of information released on him, which actually is me to believe that it's very minor. So most likely we'll see him this week, especially since he doesn't play until Monday. Yeah, he has a Monday game. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then Daniel Jones, um, he's been out with a hamstring injury off and on kind of like Julio Jones. Um, and since week 12, he did practice today, uh, which is hopefully at a full practice. Um, but again, he's still struggling with that altered gait that that hamstring is, uh, um, 
bothering him with mm -hmm. um at, kind of following his throw he's not getting all the right steps and it's still he's still kind of wincing in pain um the giants are set to play the ravens on sunday and actually i actually think he will play because the giants only have two games left and they're trying to make the top of the nfc yeah, playoff push, yeah. yeah and so they're they might play him um just to kind of see if they can win um, speaking of playoff push, what about Devonte Parker and Mike Kosicki? And they have a Saturday game, don't they? Yeah. So um, we'll just start with. It looked like they were going to play last week. They both did not play, um, even though they were reported to be active. Um, and this was probably a last-minute call. Uh, both of them had a limited uh, uh, practice today. Um, sorry, yesterday. Uh, they haven't reported if they practice today. So it seems that they have a shot of playing this week maybe in that limited capacity for, again, that playoff push. Um, and then also kind of along that NFC East talk earlier, Antonio Gibson, he had he was struggling with that turf toe injury that we talked about last week. Um, they may play him, but again, it'll be in a limited capacity. And if they play him, it'll just be because they're trying to make that push. Make the playoffs, um, to, yeah. yeah, and to stay at the top of the NFC East. Um, but if not, he'll probably be back at week 17. He looks like he's pretty good because he played, he was practicing today. What about Christian um, McCaffrey? Yeah, Christian McCaffrey, as I talked about last week, he's been dealing with injuries all season. He did not practice today. So I actually don't see him playing this week against Washington. Panthers are at the bottom of their division. Doesn't look so like he should get shut down. Yeah, they might just okay. leave him out. And then if anything, they might play him next week, but it doesn't look like it's going to be this week. All right. Uh, then Debo Samuels with his hamstring, as we talked about last week, um, but it seems doubtful that he's going to return at all because he was the one who posted on his social media saying, I think oh, I'm yeah, done for the that, season. Yeah. Um, and then the coach yesterday said, it looks like he's going to be out for a while. So don't expect him back. You can probably drop him. Maybe Joe Mixon might not come back either. Yeah. Joe Mixon as well. He ha he's the one who was dealing with that mid foot sprain, which like I mentioned, that's like a two, three month recovery in most cases. It depends on the severity of course. Um, and he's already been ruled out for this week um so keep him on your ir and just watch uh, him in the next week probably won't play either you can drop him right before the finals and just grab somebody else for your team um what about kenny galladay yeah so he's dealing with like a hip injury he did not practice today so most likely he will not be playing this week I also wouldn't count on him um, next week because he's now been out for two months. It looks like this hip injury is a little bit more severe than its simple sprain. It could be like some kind of labral tear and he may need surgery for it. They haven't reported anything. This is just my assumption looking at the timeline of how long he's been out. Um, and so maybe they're just waiting for the off season for him to get surgery. Okay. Um, what about uh, the players that were activated off IR this week? Yeah, so there's or, just a couple of their chances like, of either they're activated off IR or there's a, a few that are, you know, ready to go. Okay. Um, so Greg Olson, Julian Edelman, John Brown, George Kittle, James Conner, and Jailer uh, Ragor, they look like people that are just going to be ready to go. Also, they should, most of them should play this week. Yes, just keep watching, of course, uh, but they should be ready to go. Okay. Um, what about James Robinson? He got injured this week. Yeah, so the, he's just kind of a new injury that happened. Um, he left the game in the fourth quarter against the Ravens with an ankle injury. Um, at first, they reported that it was a high ankle sprain, but it doesn't seem that it's going to be that because the coaching staff, staff seemed optimistic that he's going to be playing this weekend, and they're giving him a lot of rest. So it's most likely just a first-degree ankle sprain. Um, to be honest, though, 
if they're not sure about him, they may sit him. Like if they're not a hundred percent, uh, because the Jaguars are at the bottom of the league. They don't really need him. It's not like they're trying to make that playoff push or stay in their playoff position. So if they have any question about him, he's not somebody that he's kind of up in the air is what I mean. Yeah. And Chicago has a hard hitting defensive line. So that could be another mm-hmm. thing that might keep them from playing him this week. Yeah. Um, another new injury that we had was Ezekiel Elliott. Actually, he missed last week, um, but we just didn't yeah, talk did. about him. So um, he practiced today with a mix of on-field and off-field. Uh, so on-field and sideline kind of training during the practice. I on- honestly think he'll play. They're not 100% sure if he's going to play, but I think he will because Cowboys are again up there at the NFC East with Washington and Giants battling for that top spot. And they might need him in these last couple of weeks to kind of um, get in there. And yeah, if uh, Elliott doesn't play, Tony Pollard should be the top running back ad this week on the waiver wire because he did have a good game in Elliott's absence. Okay, yeah. So uh, next uh, new injury that happened this week was Derek Carr. So he had a groin strain in the first quarter on Thursday. Um, The injury footage looked pretty bad as he looked like he could barely walk. Uh, But it seems the last few days he's gotten a lot of rest. And actually today he was back to a full practice. So he might actually play Saturday. Um, The Raiders don't look like they have though a chance of making the playoffs um they 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 have a lot of points but there's too many teams that have more than that. they have to beat the dolphins on saturday yeah well they definitely have to beat the dolphins but also just looking at the standings today they're getting that bottom like position still looks not that hopeful yeah, yeah. Um, because of every everyone else around them exactly. so if he's not 100 percent, they probably won't play him if he doesn't and have Mariota at least- played well Mariota yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they'll probably just rest him. I think he should be back for the last week, though, um, just by looking at everything that they've been saying. Um, what about Raheem Mostert? Yeah, so Raheem re-aggravated his left, uh, the le- his left high ankle sprain. Um, this is actually going to end his season because if you re-aggravate a high ankle sprain and you continuously play on it, you're going to make it worse. You're going to put yourself out for a longer recovery time because the high ankle sprain is the sprain between the two leg uh, leg bones in your leg, the tibia and fibula. And so if you keep separating those two, it's just going to make yourself a longer recovery time. So the moment you get a re-aggravation, they just put them out. All right. What about Michael Gallup? Yeah, so Michael Gallup had a has a, what they call a hip pointer injury, and so that's where on your hip bone you get a little bone bruise or like a contusion is what they call them. Um, this is actually a really painful injury that he sustained. So I actually don't count on him playing this week because if he gets hit in any kind of way, it can make it very very painful. Mm-hmm. Um, what about uh, both Saints wide receivers, both Traquan Smith and Michael Thomas? Yeah, so starting with Michael Thomas, he's been dealing with, again, that high ankle sprain, um, kind of like Mer- Raheem Mozart, um, and it looks like he will miss the rest of the season. As I said before, high ankle injuries are long recovery time, and re-aggravation will just increase the recovery time. Man, that's a blow to the Saints. Yeah, and then Traquan, he didn't practice yesterday and today. And since they play on Friday, it doesn't look like he's going to be in. He would have probably had to practice today if he was going to be in uh, on Friday. Yeah, so I think Emmanuel Sanders should be the top wide receiver, one of the top wide receiver pickups this week for, for the Saints since they play Friday. Yeah. Um, then moving on to Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, he's suffering with both a high ankle sprain and a hip strain. Primarily the high ankle sprain is the factor that's it was making me say injury. he's going to, yeah, he's going to be out for the rest of the fantasy season. I would drop him from your team and just pick somebody else up. All right. Um, what about the guys that were placed on COVID? Uh, which ones can we expect back this week? Yeah. So uh, Miles Gaston will most likely, 
uh, will most likely not play this week. Um, he seems to be just coming out of quarantine, uh, hasn't practiced. Ronald Jones uh, was placed on the COVID list and he's been cleared from it, but he probably won't be able to pray, play because he hasn't practiced before Saturday. Uh, Devontae Freeman, he just got removed from the COVID list. We don't know if he's going to be back because he's still struggling with those injuries from before he was put on the COVID okay. list. Okay. And then Henry uh, Ruggs III, um, he was placed on the COVID list last week. No new reports have surfaced, so he's probably in quarantine right now. They haven't he said didn't anything. He did play last week. Yes, yeah, so we can assume that he's not going to play this week either. All right. Um, that wraps up the NFL injury report. Let's yeah. move on to the uh, NBA. Uh, there were some games going on the past couple of days. Uh, can you just update us on some of the injuries? Yeah, so we'll start out with Kevin Love. Um, so he strained his right calf. It seems to be a minor strain, such as like a first degree. Um, the team isn't really making a big deal about it. He will not play this week. Their first game being actually today on Wednesday, as we're filming this on Wednesday. Uh, generally, we you look at about a two-week recovery. So actually... He should be back by Sunday. So that's like the beginning of next week. Um, and um, actually the guy who just came off injury was Larry Nance Jr. And he'll replace him um, as Larry Nance was cleared of concussion. Yeah. And, uh, and what about D'Angelo Russell? Yeah. So he has some kind of right ankle soreness. He's been removed from IR. So he's good to play. Uh, Joe Ingles had a false positive COVID-19 test and he's all good to go as well. So that's just another person that's also good to go. Okay. What about Tristan Thompson? Um, so Tristan Thompson has been dealing with this hamstring injury, uh, but he's not listed on the team's injury report right now. So it actually looks like it's going to be a game time decision tonight against the Bucks. If he does not play, he'll most likely play Friday against the Nets. All right. What about Rui Hachimura? Yeah, so Rui has this uh, infection that he's dealing with right now. It's a what you call a bilateral keratoconjunctivitis, which is basically in your wow. eye, your cornea, and your conjunctiva, both parts are inflamed. And he oh, has geez. it in both eyes. I said it's bilateral. This infection is a normally caused from bacteria. And, and oftentimes, this takes about three weeks to clear up. Um, so it's probably not going to play until the new year. Okay, um, what about Draymond Green for Golden State? Yeah, so Draymond Green had a foot injury. It seems to be very mild because, again, they didn't even release what it was. And after the MRI, they didn't mention anything extreme going on with it. It seems that he's day-to-day -day as what the coach kind of deemed him at. Um, he did not play in yesterday's game against the Mets, but he'll either play Friday against the Bucs or if not Saturday, he'll play against the Chicago Bulls. Okay, uh, that sounds good. Um, and let's move on actually to the NHL um, training camps are just starting. Let's look at a couple of Dallas Stars injuries, both Tyler Sagan and the goalie Ben Bishop. Yeah, so I'm just looking at the NHL in general. I'm just going to go through some of the injuries of players that may not start this season mm -hmm. or are players that were questionable to start the season, but now actually might start at the beginning of this All season. Right. We're just going to go Sounds through good. them. So yeah, so starting with Dallas, uh, we're looking at both Sagan and Ben Bishop, two very key players and kind of injuries that's surrounding them. Sagan has been dealing with a right hip labral tear. He received surgery uh, for that hip on November 2nd, he's looking at a recovery time of about five months, um, which is typical for any kind of hip surgery. So it looks like he won't be returning during this fantasy season, oh, or wow. if so, it'll be within the final weeks. Only take him if you're playing keepers or take him in the final few rounds. If you want to keep him on your IR, then okay. he'll be good in maybe the last few weeks of fantasy and that playoff push. Right. Um, ben Bishop, 
He has a torn meniscus in his right knee. His surgery was on October 21st. He's also like Sagan looking at about four, possibly five month recovery time. He should be back in March or April. Um, The reason his recovery is so long is just due to that limited blood supply. That's something I talked about last week in my report with meniscus. Mostly the nutrients you get in healing a meniscus is through the joint fluid uh, between your knee rather than the blood supply. And so because the joint fluid can't get to the area as well as blood can get to it, it's still that longer recovery time. So wouldn't take him unless you're playing keepers. Um, What about Bruins star forwards, um, Marchand and uh, Pasternak? Yeah, so Marshan kind of went through this injury called sports hernia, and he got it surgically repaired on September 14th. That kind of uh, injury, you're looking at a bit of four-month recovery time. So he'll probably be back mid-January to early February, which is good news for owners. They can pick, take well, the him. The season starts keep him, mid-January. Yeah, so they can uh, take him. He might start right at the beginning of the season, or if not, beginning of February, um, he should be good to go. Um, kind of, let me just break down what a sports hernia is. It's where your, it's where your abdominal muscles and your groin muscles, they attach to your pubic bone and right there at that attachment, they, he got a tear. He had to get it surgically repaired. And that's actually really important because with athletes, you got to move a lot. You, you plant your foot and pivot and turn your upper body. Yeah. So with that, when you plant and pivot and turn your upper body, that's using those muscles. So if you get a tear there, you can barely move. That's pretty bad. You can barely sit up. You can barely twist your body. So you really need that. And it's a very vital injury um, to uh, rehabilitate. Um, then David Pasternak, he has a torn right hip labrum. Uh, operation for that was on September 16th. He won't return until at least February because again, you're looking at that five month recovery time like Sagan. Mm-hmm. As we know, Pasternak can be a very valuable asset to your team after winning the Rocket Richard t- Trophy this year, tying yeah. uh, uh, tying for the win. Um, so you can take him this season and keep him on your IR at the beginning. He should be back. They're going to reassess him in February and should be back probably by early March at the latest. Mm-hmm. Um, what about Tampa forwards, uh, both Steven Stamkos being out for most of the playoffs and also forward Nikita Kucherov? Yeah, so Steven Stamkos uh, was, he had actually that, uh, he tore one of his abdominal core muscles. He actually tore it in the Stanley Cup finals in game three was where I think he had torn it before, but then he like re-aggravated it mm-hmm. and he made it so much worse that now he had to go undergo surgery. He had that surgery on October 7th and he's expected to be back to start the season. He oh, was in training camp. He skated in training camp, which is really good news because we just found out about Nikita Kucherov and how, and his injury. So mm-hmm. Steven Stamkos will be really good for getting you points because they'll be kind of taking some of Nikita Kucherov's points that he would have got this year mm. oh, uh, yeah. from him. Um, so then now looking at Nikita Kucherov, it's bad news for fantasy owners, especially if you played keepers from this last year and you had taken him and you were like, he got me so many points. Well, he ac- actually looks like he may be out the whole season, at oh, least man. the fantasy season for sure. And we'll see about playoffs. Mm-hmm. He has to undergo hip surgery. Um, it kind of looks like this might be some kind of uh, labral tear. They haven't really said a lot about it, but they said he has some hip issues and he needs surgery. Um, and since labral tear is a very common issue that hockey players deal with, as we've seen Sagan and Pasternak both dealing with it, we're looking at, again, that minimum of five months recovering, recovery time. And if he's only getting the surgery now, is he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, I have something to ask you about. Uh, some people said that this injury that Vladimir Tarasenko has might affect his shooting for the rest of his career. Could you explain this injury? 
Um, so this shoulder injury, they actually haven't said a lot about it, but it's a constant aggravation. It could be, uh, he had like a shoulder reconstruction, which is most likely some kind of, um, reconstruction of his rotator cuff, maybe labrum, that kind of thing. Um, he's been dealing with it since April, 2018. Um, and then, which was when he had that reconstruction surgery, then he re-aggravated it in end of 2019 in October and then once again in the bubble same thing did another re-aggravation and then in September he got another procedure done on that shoulder Um, he's going to be re-evaluated in February following that surgery to see if he's ready to come back Um, so you can pick him up he probably will be back probably March or so so you can keep him on your IR and if you're playing keepers might be somebody good we don't know what will happen, obviously, regarding his shoulder and how this will affect his shooting, but I'm sure they will keep you updated on that. All right. Um, apparently, Oscar Clefbaum will not play this season. Is that true? Yes. So he is not going to probably play at all this season. He has been dealing with arthritis of his shoulder, which is kind of surprising because this guy's pretty young. I looked up his age. He's 27 years old, um, and he's got this injury back in 2012 was when he first injured his shoulder and he just constantly kept re-aggravating it re-injuring it and it's got he got a lot of yeah yeah, so what actually happened with this is arthritis is where you get inflammation and joint stiffness in the area it often happens when you're much older but because from constant injury if you get it when you're young it's where um, there's inflammation in that area and it's not healing properly. Mm. Um, and he, so right now he's actually going through a debating of whether or not he should get surgery on it. Okay. My personal thing is I think he should get surgery right away because um, you can rehab a shoulder without surgery. It's a longer rehab time. And the thing is, you don't know if that chronic arthritis is going to go away. If you do a surgery on it, the good thing about surgery is it kind of resets things. It takes a chronic injury, which is an injury where it's been prolonged and it moves it into this acute stage, which is the way that you're supposed to properly rehabilitate an injury. Um, And so this surgery will hopefully reset the arthritis and move him on the path of full recovery. It's going to be his decision and his doctors will obviously advise him, but I hope he gets surgery. Um, Henrik Lundqvist came out this past week and said that he had a heart condition. He wouldn't be able to play this season. Could you explain that? Yeah. So Henrik Lundqvist, I assume it's some kind of genetic heart condition. They didn't state anything regarding it. They did say that it was not caused by COVID-19, nor is it life-threatening to him, which is good news, of course, for his health and well-being. The reason I assume it's some kind of genetic condition is because he's very young. Yeah. He's getting, getting up there compared to most hockey players but he's overall very healthy and also pretty young compared to most people that get heart conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, So obviously we're going to see what happens with him, but the fact that it ruled him out for this entire season, he might just retire from here, especially if Mm -hmm. it doesn't get better. He, maybe he'll try and come back next year and see, hopefully if his heart gets better, but I can see him retiring from here. So this year I wouldn't even take him at all, even if you're playing keepers, because you may have the not have the chance of actually ever making use of him if you do take him. Yeah, and Ilya Samsonov played well last year, so he should be Washington's yeah. goaltender going forward. Um, one last injury, uh, Gus Nyquist. Uh, what's his injury for Columbus? Yeah, so he has a left shoulder labral tear. Um, This was actually a chronic issue that he's been dealing with and he developed a cyst in the area. So what a cyst is, is like a collection of tissue with kind of some fluid inside or pus kind of sometimes inside. And it's just in the area. So it was probably a visible bump in the area. 
And it looks like he underwent surgery for that um, in the beginning of November. The only thing with that surgery is he's going to need that six month recovery. So oh. he probably will be back by the start of the playoffs. He's not going to be here for the season. So again, I wouldn't take him unless you're playing keepers. All right. Uh, that, I think that wraps it up for our injury report. Thanks, Victoria, for your time. And uh, once again, uh, guys, uh, thank you for listening to the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. Uh, you can check us out on YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram at Podcast Fantasy Fanatics. And you can also like and follow us on Facebook under Fantasy Fanatics Podcast. Thanks again.